Thanks. Um, I actually have a new rap name. Um, it's me, me and two of my chefs. Um, it'll be Lazy Boy Fi, um, Playboy Jardinier, and then I'll be Secretly Gay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's really good. <laughs> so we'll be. We'll For the listeners, we officially have our first lost episode. Whoa. The lost <laughs> files. So this episode's coming out on the, tw- not the 20th, I'm way ahead of myself. What is August today? 17th. What is today? Today's the 15th. 15th. There it is, okay. For the listener, we recorded a full hour last night at Max's place, <laughs> and we lost, we did not record anything at all. And he just Except stopped four right seconds. Four seconds. We got four seconds, yeah. He just stopped us out of nowhere, too. He just goes, guys. <laughs> guys. Uh, I actually think, like, I caught you looking down at the little thing. And you kind of looked at me and I was like, what? <laughs> because I was, like, processing. I was like, what do I normally see when I look at the recording device? <laughs> and I was like, I don't think this is what I normally see. I think I usually see numbers counting up rather than... <laughs> yeah. It's okay. I mean... So, the reason I, mean, I wanted to... Uh, let's be honest, though. 30 episodes in, and yeah. that was the first one. Impressive. That's what I said. I was like, dude, it was inevitable. Impressive. It was going to happen. But There's been so many times where I've been recording, like, either you're there, and we're doing it on our laptop, or you're not there, and, like, yeah. I go click out of... Uh, what the oh, fuck is the, that app called? Yeah, just GarageBand. GarageBand. Nice. And then I'll come back in, and I'll be like... What the fuck? What have I done? Why did it? Why did yeah, you like, stop come, recording? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then you have like that moment of just like, oh fuck. What have I done? <laughs> yeah. So for the listeners, if you like, if we kind of accidentally like rehash something that you're like, did they already talk about this? Don't be super confused. Yeah. But yeah. Anyways, welcome back, season two, episode eleven of Bedside Conies. Apologies also again for last week. We finally missed an episode in the, the long streak, but I was down super bad. Um, the tummy. The tum-tum has been rough, but we're on the up and up. Surprisingly, we got the episode with Renee in, but I will say I was struggling through that, so I hope you guys enjoyed that. Yeah. That episode did really well, too, by the way. Yeah. Um, but, like I said, we do now officially have a lost episode, which maybe one day we'll find that in the, the final archives. But before we get started... Thanks, everybody, for listening. Follow and rate us on Spotify and Apple if you haven't already. And follow on Instagram at Bedside Conies. As always, keep helping us push it to social media. Tell your friends. Tell your friends. Tell your kids. Tell your wife. Tell your accomplices. Um, every Thursday morning, 7 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Central. Keep sending us questions, too. Um, unanswerables, feedback, whatever you want. But with that... Today, for the second time, I intro... Back to back. A BSC brain salad with the honorable Chicago Beast, future renowned sommelier, and Twitter god, Mr. Sex Diva. What a pleasure it is, my friends. John Wally. Wow. I haven't heard that in years, it feels like, so I appreciate that. <laughs> also, this time around... We didn't really even talk about you, like, becoming a small A yesterday. It's kind of, yeah, it's been a weird... You didn't uh, tell well, anyone. It's been a weird decision. We were, we were, are you officially a No, 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 no. This, um, we were trying to get to officially, like, 
or where you wanted to go. Right. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We didn't get. And, that's you know, what and, I realized. Yeah, it was cool because, cool like, of course, I was really high yesterday. And I'm only a little high today, so oh, I won't ramble. Fun. Well, I brought more weed just in case. Yeah. <laughs> we can't smoke here. Tonight. I wasn't asking you to. I was just saying I brought more just in case if I need to, you know, go smoke in your bathroom. Pull the electric, you know, the uh, emergency alarm off. Yeah. <laughs> do one of those Vegas bathroom style. You we know. do have sprinklers here, so nice. <laughs> Nice. Not as bad as our fucking old place. Yeah, they were all over. Literally, Ken's and I used to talk about. I don't know if you like really noticed that at our old place, but we had like you see those two sprinklers right there. Oh yeah, there was like fucking probably twelve throughout our whole. Oh, that's scary. So like if I mean it's over at, at that point, everything would have been ruined. And like I, the best part about it, my apartment, like I said, like I was telling you guys yesterday, it's like very small. Like it's three hundred fifty square feet, four hundred feet, and it's kind of perfect for me because I'm like massive anyway, so it makes sense. But ultimately. Like I smoke right under a smoke detector, and I have tr- I've tried it out multiple times. Like I'm like trying like, to. Say I've like been in my chair, cross my legs, and like blowing into it, and nothing happens. I'm like, fuck, I'm screwed. <laughs> if it comes jail, up I'm to gonna it. shoot you straight. Your smoke detector doesn't work. <laughs> 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 I found it the hard way, right? Yeah. But it's like nice for the aesthetic, right? It it, me- it means that like people walk in and they feel safe, but they're truly not. Dude, I I can remember in college like literally always taking the batteries out because they were oh yeah you have to and they would do the fucking the beep. You know what? I'll never forget the first time I like really like t- like documented that. I went to Noah Russell's apartment when he was staying in Miami. I don't think for friends and listeners, I don't think he ever went to Miami once. I think he just came to smoke weed and sell drugs. He definitely went to Mud. No, maybe, maybe. I don't remember. But anyways, I was close with him, and they had this weird duplex apartment. It was him and Cole, uh, fuck, from Ross. I can't remember his name. Anyways, um, handsome man. But beyond that, oh. I came in there and they had like six smoke detectors stacked right next to their front door with all the batteries. So I was just like, this is perfect. You guys room. moved in yesterday and you took all of the smoke detectors. I was like 23. I was like, young bucks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, of course. These <laughs> fucking dumbasses. Okay, on that subject though, let's go through. So, I pulled up the tweets. Nice. Oh yeah. So That's, for the I need to pay recompense for that. John Lee and I... It's one of those scenarios where, like, you know when somebody asks you, like, oh, do you know Max? And it's like, I don't know him, but I know of him, and mm-hmm. I know he knows of me. Mm-hmm. But we've never actually, like, met. Yeah. And I think that's how me and Max met, because the first time we met, of course, I my claim to fame with Max is like, oh, man, I could have sworn you were gay. <laughs> oh, yeah! Oh, my God! I forgot about that! And I was like... You know, I was finally coming to my own as a what person. I was like, I could tell. I was like, man. I like walked up. And I was like, man, I could have swore you were gay. Like, shaking his hand. He's like, what? Like, <laughs> also, in that scenario, why did you think he wasn't gay? I well, there you go. I mean, exactly. <laughs> what changed your mind? <laughs> um, I think you guys. Wait, did I? I might have brought my. I might have brought Lauren. Well, there were you. There were yeah, yes. Was there that? Was, maybe. That, I mean, it's confirmed at least. <laughs> it's confirmed. I'm, I'm straight. Yes. Yeah. Max is in fact straight. Wait, but, that was definitely when we were, uh, we like had people over one of the first weekends we moved into our first place. Yeah, because I, I fell asleep in the chair. Oh, yeah. and you, tw- you tweeted. Yeah, I, no, I tweeted. Yeah. Oh, you tweeted that, and then I think yeah. you tweeted. I need to pay recommendations. Max is looking really comfortable right now. No, oh. that was Clint. Oh, that was Clint. Clint was Clint. up oh, in the corner of the couch. Yes, because you guys were like feet up on the couch, yeah. and I was taking pictures. You guys, I was like, "This is cute." Get like, comfortable, Clint. <laughs> this this <laughs> man subtweets yes. everybody. Doesn't drag yeah, a single does. person. Yeah, oh yeah. Because I know y'all will see it. When did it start though? Like when? When did you start subtweeting people? Oh, high school. Really? Oh, it was. It's just like stream of. I mean, it's been evolving, right? Like when it was high school, it'd be like oomph, you know, like yeah. I, I want to kiss oomph, and like of course, because you're 15, you want to kiss everybody. But like obviously it is it's evolved to like one of these things where 
I don't subtweet like shitty things about people indirectly anymore because like I can just well, tell them or you know yell at them. You do kind of just use Twitter as like a diary. Yeah, but I used to. I haven't tweeted like if if I have to like take inventory of this year's tweets as last year's tweets, I've probably done one half, if not one like a quarter of the. You, tweets. you probably don't tweet as much as what. It's Twitter's now. dead to me now. It's fucking stupid now. Oh, I think Twitter's fucking. And you're probably, like, way more curated, but, like, it's just one of these things, like, the people that I used to love looking at, like, the stuff that I used to enjoy digesting is now all changed, like, because people are trying to either make money, like, fight 15-year-olds, have political opinions, or, like, post sports stuff, which is all cool, but, like, you know. There's not, like, the Bill Ratchets of the world. Yeah, I mean, they're, and they're still all there, and they're still making content, but, like, that kept me alive as a young 20-year-old, you know what I mean? I that's actually a very good point. Like, other people's strife on Twitter was my love life. Like, love language. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I love that. You're subtweeting, though. It's still the best, like, waking up on, like, a Sunday morning and just, like, let's just go see what John Lee yeah, was doing. I, uh, <laughs> I, I miss it, dude. I miss Because like, it was just a Sex focal demon. point. Oh, yeah. And it was just such a focal point, too. Like, I would be hammered. And I, I was always the guy in college, like, I would get drunk and come out to the living room and want to talk about the night before. I know people fucking hate that about no, people, but that's that, always I been me. That's, that's, like, that's the best part of drinking. Yeah. But, like, but I know there are people that I grew up with that fucking hate that. And it's like, shut up. Like, why are we talking about, like, you know, stuff like that? So I've always been that, and I always, like, want to, like, revel in that stuff. So that's why in Miami, I would just go to the bar the next morning at 11 and just talk with the people that I went out with the night before. <laughs> Dude, great. I forgot about that. I... I wish I would have remembered that because I would have confronted you on the pod. Oh yeah, <laughs> and I, I do need to I need, I need to make another another statement. I tweeted many mon- many moons ago, a couple of months ago. I said, you know, it'll be great when we wake up a year from now and say, remember when Het had a podcast? I'll, I'll, read, <laughs> I'll read the exact tweet because I linked it. I rem- I don't remember scum. like having any thinking any thought process about it because if I would have known Max was also a part of it at the time. I would have never talked shit because I believe in Max way more than oh I believe in you. God, well, that's actually completely and utterly fair. But yeah, right. for for the people, Max and I started this podcast January, probably we'll say like third or fourth of this year. Of this year. Oh yeah, yeah. On February twenty eighth, twenty twenty three. Oh no! <laughs> at oh, no. Sex Diva. Can't wait till a year from now, and I can say, comma, quote unquote. Remember when Ed had a podcast? <laughs> so we already had a podcast at that point. Oh, for like a month and a yeah. half. Yeah, there was probably like four episodes. Oh, yeah. I literally think I, I think I sent it in the Beast group, and I was just like, hater. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the worst part was like episodes started coming out pretty frequently, and I was listening to them. I was like, fuck, I want to get on the pod. Like, yeah, fuck, I get on that's the pod. what I was thinking too. Is I was like, this guy definitely fuck, wants fuck. to come on. And, and I knew, and I could never text you. I knew I could never text you and be like, yo, bro, like, when are you going to get when me it, on? Yeah, because you're going to be like, fuck you, fuck your family, like, no chance, like, you hater. No. We've had people like, I guess people don't really like ask, but yeah. they've like hinted at it. I've always wanted, it's like, it's it's like being part of the boys. Everyone wants like, to chat. Yeah, of course. Everyone wants to talk. Of course. Everyone has something to say. Are you weird about listening to like your own voice? I probably, like, yeah, I probably won't listen to this. Really? To it's just because like, I remember the way that it made me feel when I was making music. And like, <laughs> listening to that shit is tough. And like, we were talking about it yesterday. You're like, oh, is there music still available? Which there is on SoundCloud. It's Young Post Move if you ever want to go to it. It's fantastic for the most part young but it's also move. young post move all one word if it's easy word. to find we should link it yeah. um, I'm going to play some right now sound that's my burner chirping i've been unemployed but i'm still working on my surfboard i've been riding waves i've been digging graves and i've been freeing slaves 
hitting stains and splitting wigs, but I'm off the grid like Andre. That's 3K, like Stan Ross, but I ain't swole. I just been tough like an oyster. Takes years, just like a diamond in the rough. I got cash to spend, buy a lot of stuff. Not some useless junk, but just enough to make some sluts wanna fuck so I can bust a nut whenever I fucking want. I'm John Lee, but not Chinese. Got good rum with a lime squeeze. No fingerprints and no teeth makes you a John Doe. Makes your body hard to find like Jimmy Hoffa. More spiritual than the Dalai Lama. Fuck a Spanish cheek is kind of manana. In my Honda, I got 10 keys. Seeing green changed me to a fiend. If jugging was a sport, I'd probably fuck around and win MVP. <laughs> Which of course makes sense. Um, I actually have a new rap name. Um, it's me, me and two of my chefs. Um, it'll be Lazy Boy Fi, um, Playboy Jardinier, and then I'll be secretly gay. Um, <laughs> That's really good. <laughs> so we'll be we'll be coming soon with that. But um, yeah, it's like that. Like I like listening to like two or three songs, and I will maybe once a year or twice a year. Uh, and I still have some unreleased stuff on on Dropbox that is just like sitting in there that I like listening to. But like beyond that, like. Like there's one song where I'm like singing on it and I can't I can't do it. I can't Which I, one? It makes me cry. No, I don't think it's on something. Okay. I think I made whoever delete it when I was moving up here. I was like, Also, oh, I'm just realizing that okay, the MVP song is it's, it's Tom Brady. It's, <laughs> it's, it's Tom Brady's draft picture. <laughs> oh, I was hype about that too. So you only I'm only seeing two on here. That would be mine. You could go to Midnight Snack, which is Colin Rice, if you remember him from high school. Okay, Colin he was a recluse. One of my closest friends on earth. His is Midnight Snack. He might still have some stuff on there. If not, I can send it to you through Bandcamp so you can see it all there. Okay. This is fucking fantastic. Yeah. But yeah, okay, that's a good like starting point. So basically, as I was saying earlier, John Lee and I grew up in the same town. You're two years older than me, mm-hmm. like in school-wise. Probably like three years older than me. When's your birthday? Uh, June 5th. I'm 95, so... Okay, so yeah, you're like two years older than me. Yeah. Basically, we probably hooped against each other... A handful of times. Less than five, more than two. Yeah, at the YMCA. <laughs> I was a frequent I was a frequent flyer yeah, at the Y. And that was I'm telling you, that was King Court. Before Ridgeway was a thing, I was at the West Y six days a week with not only Corey Verneau, but um Wait, Corey Verneau. Corey Verneau yeah, come on. Went to Duke. Um I, he was like National Merit Scholar, by the way, which was impressive. If I saw his face, I think I'd, I remember he, like a he Corey. got married to Sienna Sienna um Caesar. See, this is you do this all the time where yeah. like you explain you describe yeah. like Hamilton people yeah. and I'm like JL, I didn't yeah, know. You're also so good with names. I you are that really yesterday. Good. You just like I can do that, yeah. Can name off anybody. It's names and faith. Well, it's my job, right? Like that's literally my job. I have to remember who you are so I can be like, oh, Jimbo. You know what I mean? Yeah, like dudes yeah. come into work that I've seen, you know, 15 times in the last year. But yeah, you Jimbo know, Jimbo doesn't like cilantro. So it gets you the tips. Jimbo cilantro <laughs> you know, fucking love cilantro. that doesn't love cilantro you're you suck just an fyi yeah for sure yeah so basically like i said john lee and i like knew who each other were and then i mean i would say we maybe hung out like once or twice in college I, yeah drugs. like i don't even i in i don't passing. think that we hung out i don't have memories of hanging out because no. of drugs but i don't have memories of hanging out with you in college or anything the only time the first time i remember was when we, you and I went to, I was at a party up at, it might have been at, like, um, um, where did the boys used to live on? Hotel Wells. Wells. Hotel Wells, thank you. Yeah, the and, uh, yeah, and I have a Snapchat of you and Clint doing wall sits. Oh, yeah. And that might have been the first time that we ever, and I talked so much shit to y'all, of course, the first time we ever hung out, but. I do, like, specifically remember Shooter being, like, I think John Lee's finally gonna, like, 
we had been doing stuff for weekends. Yeah, yeah. It would have been like it had been like two or three months since everybody had got up here, and that's when I was like, "Holy shit, my boys are here!" <laughs> like, yeah, boys. you were working a lot. Yeah, and then yeah, John Lee, or uh, Shooter was like, "Yeah, John Lee's finally coming," and you walked in, and you're so good at just like, if there's someone that you know of, even if you haven't met them. You will dap them up like you have been friends with them oh, for yeah. like 20 years. You have so, to, dude. Just, you have to. You, you walked in, you were like, hey, what's up, my brother? <laughs> yeah, it makes people feel good. Oh, I remember yeah. the first time I met you, I was like, oh, wow, this guy's got really good vibes. Well, yeah. and it's, it's, it's cool because, like, there was, you know, there have been multiple times in all of our friendships where I've seen you guys, like, back to back to back weekends. We've gone out, like, yeah. two nights, and, like, six nights. Six nights in a month with you guys, is, I was like, holy shit. I'm, like, Jesus just blessed me. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> but every time I get to see you guys, it's like, holy fuck, like, and that shit is hard because you work every fucking. Well, and I, you know, and I get to tell my other, you know, because I do kind of have like separate friend groups in here, like obviously like industry yeah. people, Vaughn people, and then y'all is who I think about. And I is tell Vaughn, Vaughn I'm not industry people. I guess he's yes, but he's not like yeah. he's my, you know, he's my best friend. He's okay. not like yeah, a, a restaurant guy to me. That's fair. But um, it's it's interesting because I tell him all the time. I'm like, dude, we just went to a lake in Wisconsin that I can't even pronounce with 20 people like, and planned it months in advance. Like that's being an adult. Like that's having friends that are consistently yeah. like showing up all the time. He's like, yeah, like we do not have that. And I'm like, that's why I fucking love that. Like you just yeah, can't beat that shit, dude. That shit is nice. Like when you know. That's the one thing I actually will say I like that about adulthood, like when you're planning stuff in advance. Now, this is nerdy, but like I keep a calendar. Oh, yeah. And it, your calendar is gorgeous, dude. It's fantastic. I actually it's keep updated. I keep a digital and a physical It's calendar. gorgeous in there, dude. Often. But it's nice, like when somebody asks you, like, yo, what are you guys doing next weekend? And I'll just have to be like, yeah, no, like I got plans. Right. Like, Sorry. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's, yeah. it's just a little bit more yeah. simple. And, you know, in like inverse of that, I think, you know, I my plans are like, oh, I can't play it in advance unless it's like a trip or something. I'll be like, I'm not doing anything if you get me two weeks from now. You know? Yeah, that's fair. Which has always worked. And you guys have always been... Vi- Shooter is really, really good about it. Just shoot me a text like out of nowhere. Oh, yeah. 8 p.m. on a Tuesday. you be like, hey, in four weeks we're going to the Hard Rock Cafe. Do you want to go? I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like, thank you so Wait, much. Have you been to a Beast Feast yet? Yeah, we went to oh, Gina yes, Georgettis. I did a bunch of mushrooms yeah, okay, for Gina Georgettis. Yeah. That was the second. Remember, because I did the, t- I tucked my napkin into my yes. brand new shirt, and you guys fucking clowned me, and I was like, "Stop, dude!" Beast Feast is probably one of my favorite nights of the year. I wore like a ruffled. You guys were all like, like press suits, and I wore like a ruffled fucking like dress shirt. Price Price probably did have on a jacket worth more than like. Oh yeah. Half of our outfits. <laughs> I would, and I'll never forget yeah. like when I was really fucked up on mushrooms. We were walking down the alley into the back of Electric Hotel. And I took a picture of Greeny and I looked at it for like an hour. I was like, he is the most handsome dude <laughs> I've ever... Because he's just like walking by in a suit like GQ ad. It's yeah. gorgeous. Yeah. You guys all look good. And you I looked good too, bro. I looked like Austin Powers. I appreciate it. Grow up. He was... <laughs> I mean, he had hoes, so, you know, it's okay. But again, on the subject of John Lee just being so good at making you feel like the man on fire, the other... I got... The greatest thing anyone has ever said. Oh, here we go. The, la- the final tweet reference is yes. I, I finally pulled the tweet. So, this is like three years ago. I also, <laughs> at the time, I like responded to this and I apparently wasn't that happy about it. But this is an awesome tweet. Andrew Hetrick was a very serviceable guard at Baden mid 2010s. Let us not forget. I was nowhere. You were a dog. You were a dog. And I remember thinking about it like, you know, who was the guards that we had? Like, you know, Caleb Reed was a guard at the time. 
Um, we had like Kimon Sims, who was fantastic. Could have played, could have played college basketball, but he was stupid as hell. And I love him to death. Dude, Dude Ashok was a dog. I guess he's young. Yeah, but he was like 15. I don't yeah. think he was. I think he wasn't even a freshman. Yet. And he cooked me senior year. He cooked me, dude. He is gonna. I'm gonna send him to this. He fucking cooked me one time, and he was 14, and I almost fell. Dude, people thought Ashawn was legitimately. He he ended up playing football in college. Shoot. He like is one of the. Indi- I think he like broke a season record for interceptions at Indiana, if I'm not mistaken. Like did I, really well one year. I thought he went to. Uh... No, he played IU. No. Ashawn Riggins? Ashawn didn't. That was Marcus. Ashawn also played at IU. No, he didn't. Why would you do this? Oh, are you? Why would you do that? this? Why would you do this? He went to Urbana. Uh, Ashawn Riggins played Division One football at Indiana no, University. I, okay. If I'm you want to take a break here and go ahead and look that up. I actually talked to this guy on the internet, like maybe once a week. Oh, fuck. You're right. I, I hold, I, I fall back. <laughs> Who went to Urbana that I was thinking? J-Ron. Jaron D. Marcia did. Uh, okay. Devin K- or P- Panky's little brother. Adam, Adam Panky's little brother did. Who was the kid that was like your age that went to uh, Murray State? We had a kid that went Murray State. No, no kidding. Who wasn't Murray State? Fuck, dude. He was. You could do Quinn so- Bailey. Quinn Bailey went to Moorhead. Moorhead failed. <laughs> okay, this actually, Quinn Bailey is. He's not gonna listen to this, right? No, I hope he does actually, because he is legitimately one of the most beautiful human beings I've ever met in my entire life. Really gorgeously kind. Really great human being, like not probably not that smart, but I've never got a chance to like test his intelligence. Yeah. Every time I've ever smoked with him, he's fallen asleep. Every single time I've ever had a session. I need some sativa. Bro, he's fucking... awesome though, and like all, and he would like, and now he's making music, and he'll say that to me, be like, "Hope you're doing good, dude." And I'm like, I think about you all the time. I really do. <laughs> we talking about you on a random podcast. He five was one of those kids later. when we were five. Like he was a mo- he was a scary human being, and then dude, just didn't. Huge. And then we all just started getting bigger, and he stayed the same size and was still <laughs> athletically gifted. Dude, he was the perfect like perfect example of me being like a small, super sheltered white kid, seeing this like dude that was he was probably two. Was he in your class? I think he was a year younger than me. Okay, so he's a year older than me. In like sixth grade, oh, he had scary jacked biceps. Scary at twelve years old, a scary human being, and like the most perfectly curated afro, the best flat top I've time. ever seen on a human being. And he could life. smack the backboard doing a layup in like sixth oh, grade. I was oh, like, that guy's scary, a fucking, dude. that guy's LeBron James. Yeah. Scary, <laughs> yeah, Southwest Ohio kids, yeah. dude, fucking Hamilton, yeah, no run kid. shit. But yes. okay, yeah. so let's rehash. Basically, walk us back through. You moved to Chicago. Yeah. With $300 in your pocket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, um, you know, it, it's been a really cool point. It's, you know, a lot of really cool things. Have, I've gotten a chance to like do things and then take and instead of no a lot of times. And then the times I've said yes have just been very, very good to me. Um, I was living in Miami or living in Oxford and was just bouncing around because I wasn't going to school and I was just drinking and doing a bunch of stupid shit, which we all were, but like I was doing it way stupider. And I uh, got a chance to move to Vegas, and um, <clears throat> my uncle lives in Vegas, so I grew weed for like six months. I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, but that was like, pre- I mean, that was probably like 2017, like the okay. year that I would have left. Um, came back and just... This is like you were in and out of school. And that's yeah, like, and I, I, I actually, like thinking about it, I only have like 60 credits to get my microbiology degree, but I don't know if, I mean, that was years ago now, thinking about it. What's, 
like, what are you going to do with it? Well, yeah, exactly. But that was years ago, too. So thinking about it, it's like, you know, I remember, like, wanting to do something and wanting to go to school. But that's because everyone else did. That's because y'all did. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And then, you know, as I started to get older and, like, find these experiences. And, like, my uncle was a really big proponent of that. He's a psychopath. Like, like psychologically has issues. Like, definitely bipolar guy. But, like, was very good to me as an adult. Like, a father figure when I had two dads, you know? Yeah. And um, so I lived out there, excuse me, my God. So I moved out there to grow weed with him and did that for like six months um, and then came back and lived with my mom for a while. And that, you know, was just demoralizing at 22 years old. So got a chance to come see Jimmy Buffett as I was seeing him pretty frequently in Cincinnati. And he was up in Wrigley. So I just bought a ticket, stayed up here with a dude named Michael Vu, who I went to college with and really had just an unbelievable weekend. I'll never forget getting off the mega bus. And uh, we got on the blue line because you get down there at Polk is where like the bus station is. Um, right where the there's a strip club down there, like named the Pink Panther, I think. There's a Pink Panther. It's something like that. It's something stupid. Thank you for the water. Yes, sir. And um, I was like getting off the and I was like, man, this shit looks like Cincinnati. This is kind of gross industrially. And and he grabs me and we go on the blue line. And we switch over to the brown line at probably Clark and Lake. Now that I'm thinking about it, I had no idea at the time. But we switch over to the brown line, and I remember going around the loop, and it was middle of the day beautifully sunny and i was just stuck to the window like Dude, face on the window that needs to be talked about more the train sucks in chicago but the brown line when you're crossing the bridges is oh yeah fucking like awesome. a small town kid who had never like been to a huge metropolitan the city in my life like yeah. oh my fucking god that changed everything for me it was like instantaneous i was like okay i want to see this every day for the rest of my life and then you know I had a great three-day weekend i was working at b-dubs in oxford while living in hamilton <laughs> and um <laughs> I was like, <clears throat> I was supposed to go back on Monday and I think I missed my bus because we'd taken acid the night before. And um, I called. Did you get like really hungover doing acid? Not necessarily. When you're younger, not necessarily. It yeah. was just like, I mean, I didn't feel great, but I didn't feel bad at all. Like, um, does it just have like a similar come down to other like. No. No. Um, the, the worst I've ever did it was in Vegas. I ended up doing like four taps on a, the last time I was in Vegas. Jeez. And that was really tough because the trip was like 28 hours. I mean, yeah. I literally did not sleep. And then the next day was awful because I, I, like, my body was, like, sore, you know what I mean? But beyond that, I've never, like, been sick or anything from acid. Okay, fair. I just was curious. So, um, so my boss calls me. His name was Matt. I can't remember his last name. He calls me. He's like, hey, you're supposed to be at work today. I was like, yeah, I'm in Chicago. He's like, well, you're fired. And I was like, sweet. Thanks, man. So, I remember, like, getting on the Megabus home, and I found a pair of AirPods in the seat behind me where nobody was. I was like, fuck yeah. Like, this is a sign. Like, this is my sign from God. Like, I gotta go. So I went home, told my mom. She's like, you're an idiot. Go ahead. She left me a bag of quarters because we... Told I, your mom what? That, <coughs> that I was moving to Chicago. Yes. Sorry. Okay. Um, she helped me pack, which was very gracious of her. I had so much shit. I didn't even realize it. And uh, she left me too. a bag of quarters for toll booths, for toll roads. And I have, and I have a picture of it that I used to have as my background on my phone that I'll never forget. It was so fucking funny. But I drove up here with a guy from uh, that I live with, or excuse, that I didn't live with, a friend of mine named Albert from Oxford. And uh, he helped me move in. And then... That day, I think I had to pay rent, and I had $350, $347 or something, and I went and got a job at B-Dubs on North and Clybourne that night, and they were like, who are you? I said, I'm John. They're like, you know Vu? I was like, I live with Vu. They're like, where were you working at? I was like, B-Dubs in Oxford. They're like, we'll transfer you. You can work tomorrow. I was like, fuck, thank God. So I, I, love, like, I love how the, the intro to get a job at B-Dubs is, yeah, I kind of worked there. It's like the like, Waffle House TikTok where the dude's like, he's like, you smoke cigarette? Like, it's kind of <laughs> like that. Yeah, it's kind of like that. <laughs> So I like worked the next three nights, walked up to the dude, and I'll never forget my first uh, renter was John Hatterline. If anyone's in the city and listens to this, fuck John Hatterline. That dude's a piece of shit. Oh, God. 
God. Um, but he did let me pay rent every day, every month on the 17th because he knew I was going to be late. So, yeah. So I started at B-Dubs and that was awful because generally I think the best night I ever had there, I made $120 on the Conor McGregor and um, who'd he uh, fight? The big, the big, the biggest Conor McGregor fight. Jesus. When was it Floyd? Boxed, Floyd? Was it Floyd? Was that, had that, was that when we were in Chicago or when I was 2018? Yeah, probably. Yeah, so that was the night, and we, I mean, it was B-dubs, dude. Of course we had the fucking fight. They don't do that shit anymore, though, I don't think. Well, thank God, because it was just a fucking madhouse yeah, at the wild. North and Clyde Ward B-dubs. Like, they people were throwing like, shit at the North and Clyde Ward That's why I think they stopped. And this is before I drank at work, so it was not fun. Yeah. So, um, so I, like, did not make money, but I found out about this, this bar that is a Chicago staple to me, and of course in restaurant history, called The Store. It's on Halstead. Um, it's right next to the 7-Eleven on Halstead. It's like a 5 a.m. It is a 5 a.m. bar, and when it says that it's a 4 a.m. bar, it's still a 5 a.m. bar. I was going to say, because I think liquor license, they're not, like Chicago, you're not allowed to I wouldn't say that they're the most. They just don't follow it. I could imagine that they don't, but, you know, I would not want to get one of my favorite bars ever shut down, so I wouldn't (laughs) say anything. So, you know, I started going there, and, uh, you know, I would make $80 in a night and spend 50 of it, and that was just the way I was living, and it was tough, but it was so much fun, because I was exploring the city, and meeting all these gorgeous people, like people who, had, like you got to think, like when when we were living in Hamilton, it was taboo to see two dudes like holding hands. You know, it would oh, be yeah. like one, like it'd be a group of two dudes that were weird dudes that you never even talked to or never knew yeah. their name. You know what I mean? Like stuff like that. So when I got to the city and I saw people like wearing fucking fishnet shirts, I was like, "What's going on, dude? <laughs> like this shit is crazy." Yeah. Like, so for the first six months, I really like just balled out and did whatever I could and spent all the money I had. And I mean, I still do that, but like at a much more like explorative rate and like in a really special way. And Chicago has just become like this huge fixture in my mind where like every once in a while, like I'm in a group setting or somebody will ask like, how long do you plan on living in Chicago? And it's like, I just can't even, I can't ever imagine leaving. Like I can't, I have trouble like buying plane tickets to go see people, like to go do things. Cause it's like, fuck, I'm going to be away from my home. I'm going to be away from the city. And, um, like, there's shit about big cities that annoy me. Like, I mean, there's shit about anywhere you live that's no always going to be annoying. Yeah. But there's stuff about big cities that I'm always like, I think I'm going to get sick of this to a point where, like, I don't want to do it anymore. But when people ask me the same question, I'm always like, I'm not really thinking about moving yeah. anytime soon. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's a, such a hard thing to think about. And I, you know, and I kind of live by this weird creeding code that changes to me. And it's never one of these things that I, like, talk about with other people or, like, unless it comes up. But, like, I always told myself... If I ever woke up one day and was just miserable and like didn't couldn't get out of bed, didn't want to be here, don't want to do this anymore, I would yeah. move. I would just leave. I would pick up all my shit, like do whatever I had to do to get out of here, and I would. And I have literally felt like that to so close to an extent, but never once have I ever been like, all right, it's time to go. Like yeah. it's time to pick up and move on. That's fair. And a lot of things have happened, like in my career, and like especially like COVID was one of those things where I was like, fuck, do, should I come back? Should I like keep doing this? Should I find something more stable like this and that? Yeah. And it's always been, you know, it's always been this and it'll always be something like Chicago or Cincinnati related because I, that's what, you know, we all have a purpose and we all have something going on and I don't think that that's my fucking purpose, but that's what I want it to be. So going back though, you started working at B-dubs and then you basically, how long did you do that for? Um, probably for about a year. Um, I was like on the cusp of getting fired. Because they were like accusing me of doing cocaine in the bathroom, which I might have been. I don't think I. I don't think I was. I don't think I was a beat up. You definitely weren't the only one doing. Oh, it was. Yeah, of course. But like, my manager was accusing me. Was this Kelly? No, this was um, a dude named Seneca, um, who I fucking. Oh my god, 
who I, I really like hated and like one of the first people in Chicago that I met like, oh, this is a shady motherfucker. Like this is the first really shady dude that I met. Like he was lying to our management about like having sisters. Like he had to go to like one of his sister's funerals and weddings. He was gone for like three weeks at a time. And we found out he didn't have sisters, like crazy shit about this dude. But that's like my first like Chicago experience of meeting somebody. I was like, oh, these people cannot be trusted. Like. You gotta um, kind of watch your back. Really. Yeah, yeah. So he, like, got me in some trouble. And the new manager, Dwayne, was a fuck-up. Like, just a head-ass. And I was like, well, then I'm getting out of here. And a couple of my friends had went to the Lucky Strike on East Illinois, which is in Streeterville. That place bangs. It's a bang. Shout out Von It's Lee. a very... Shout out Von Lee. He's a very interesting yeah. place to be. And it has really changed over the last couple of years. But that was another cesspool of just destruction in my life. Like, Dude, I mean, you can tell... I was saying this yesterday but like I've been in there like two or three times and like everyone that works in there is clearly like likes to party and if they're not partying oh, already dude. while they're working like they're getting ready to when they get off and that was the thing like you can go in there now any day and the staff is generally like 21 to 23 24 when right. I started there it was like we everyone there was like 30 and we were all fucking hammered from the night before coming in. Like Jesus. an hour late, we had to be there at ten. Like I remember, like there was a day we had a ma- we had a manager um, named oh God, I can't remember her name. Um, she was fantastic. I love her to death. Uh, I never remember the names of the people he liked. Exactly. Right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, really but nice. I could pull her up on Facebook yeah. right now, and you guys would be like, "This is a nice lady." Yeah. Um, she called me, and she's like, "She calls me, wakes me up. It's like eleven twenty. She's like, "Hey, honey." I was like, "What's up?" She's like, "You're supposed to be at work at 10. I was like, "I'll be here in 15. I remember waking up, looking at my bank account. I had negative thirteen dollars. I had to call my mom, and be like, "Hey, will you give me an Uber?" She's like, "What?" I was like, "I gotta get to work, dude. Like, I'll, ex- to work. I'll explain later. I'll explain later." <laughs> like, and I get to work, and I was the first person there. We were supposed to have like five people open at ten, and I was the first person there. Oh my <laughs> so God. it was a cesspool, dude. Like, we were all living in darkness, which was fun. I mean, the explorative period of of Chicago was over for me. I had met my people to an extent. Like, I was meeting new people and like yeah. still having way too much fun. But like, the big thing was I was telling you guys about yesterday was bellwether. Bellwether was a bar that existed in my life almost as a figment of my imagination because it closed the second that COVID started and it will not overopen. They're opening a new restaurant down there. Okay. So Bellwether was in the Hilton Hotel that's next door to Lucky Strike. And there's a bar down there. And there was these huh. three Spanish uh, relatives who worked together. It was Jose. Um, I think his name was Carlos. I can't remember now. Andres. Andres, okay. that's what it was. Yeah, okay. I, was I, knew, I knew it was like Carlos or someone with an A. But I think I was going to say Andre. But Andres and then Tio. And then Uncle Tio. Tio. So we would go down there and I made, I started making more money at Lucky Strike. I think like the best night I ever had there, I did like a 500 night, but that was when like the Chicago Sky had come in and they, those bitches balled out. Yeah. They balled. Oh my God. Yeah. No kidding. And, um, (laughs) and so like we would go down there and I would, and we would spend $50 on cocaine and $50 on drinks, whatever you wanted the rest of the night. Good to go. And then they got you a cop salad. So I would eat a cop salad every <laughs> single night. And it was fantastic. Like, you listen, a cop salad is always underappreciated, no matter where you can find it. I, I got one cop salads. The last time I went to Cafe Olivia, I got a cop salad. Money. Dude, also bar salads. Are Money. So good. Money. Yes. The, un- the, like, the hidden gem of the Midwest are bar salads. I That's think a really good point. I mean, wedge salads, not, cop salads, no matter not what. not good for you because oh, of God. the amount of like dressing oh. they put on them but that's what that's that what makes good. it good and yes. it's you know what and it's always funny when you go to a bar and you like you're it's not like oh i wonder if this dude makes a good drink it's i wonder if this ranch is good i wonder <laughs> oh, if this bar's yeah, ranch, ranch is gonna be good ken stands on that hill so strong oh yeah like the the mass-produced like giant 
like restaurant ranch is always so much better. And it's awesome too. And you know, that's what I miss about the one, one piece about Hamilton that I miss is wings on Brookwood. And that was my first job ever thinking about Max. If you ever go back to Hamilton, we need to go to wings on Brookwood. Yeah. And they're so, it's magic. It's magic place. Like you can fit maybe 60 people in there and they do generally every weekend. Like it's just in the summer, like, Seven nights a week. Yeah. Fucking and you know, it's funny because like, yeah. and it's always fun, one of those things if somebody posts like a snap or Instagram post there, I'm like, I know exactly where you are in the world. I know exactly what you were doing. And I can probably see three or four people I know sitting. In yeah. There, you know what I mean? Like you could walk in and be like, I can name at least five people here. <laughs> and that's the beauty of it. But like the best part about Wings on Brookwood inherently, hands down bar none, is that they make their own blue cheese and it's some of the best blue cheese I've ever had in my entire life. Oh my god. I probably didn't like blue cheese at the point the last time I've been there. Fair enough. But, anyways. So, yeah. So, So um, you're working at Lucky Strike. Yeah. And dying, pretty much, essentially. Like, there, it was a great, it was, it was great because I met a lot of people in the industry who were normal people who I don't, like, have to be like, oh, I know this person is a connector. Like, oh, I know this person, he's a chef over here. Like, it was the, it was like, which I wasn't in that world yet. But, like, they were normal people to me, and which was cool because that's how Oxford was. Like, I was the 22-year-old guy, 21-year-old guy hanging out with 30-year-olds. Yeah. And then when I was 25, I was hanging out with 35-year-olds, you know what I mean? And that's, that yeah. was always, like, a huge part of, like, my growth, I think, socially and mentally in many ways. But, like, yeah. it was really special time because we were all fucking awful. Like, none of us had our shit together. And the dudes who do, we hated. Like, we were just envious of everything. We hated each other. Yeah. Annoyed. It was like it was like nine hundred two one zero or like the OC, but we fucking but we were poor. It was awesome, like, <laughs> but we were poor. But we were poor. Okay. So you know, kind of like stretching out from that, I um I moved. I, I was moving around a lot, which I moved around a lot the first year I lived here. I think I moved six times in like the first. Oh, that's just eight. No, actually, I loved it a lot because it, I was seeing so much of the city that I truly enjoyed. That's and one of my favorite pastimes. I don't know about you two, but I walk a lot. I never take a bus. I will never take a bus because that shit sucks. And you're poor if you if you get the bus. Bullshit. You're I poor if you take the bus. The bus is so much better than the train. I'm not even not worth the argument, but nevertheless, I have to I have to say this on the pod. The bus doesn't let sketchy people on it. The bus always smells like piss, Andrew. What no, do you it think doesn't. is the bus always smells what like piss? What bus are you get on a on? single number bus in Chicago and tell me it doesn't smell like piss? It never smells like piss. You're... The train smells like piss. Okay, so we found out the Hetz train knows has does sketchy not work. people. The bus driver is not letting sketchy he- people the on the bus. The sketchy people about the about the train is what builds character. Is what builds character. Well, now we're arguing character. You said the bus smells like piss. It doesn't <laughs> smell like piss. <laughs> Fair enough. But okay. nevertheless, one of my favorite pastimes is I am a house looker into. Oh my god! I will cr- I like love that I I am like I the guy that. who will like I'll see something nice in a house and I will find a vantage point in your yard to like look at it. You guys are peeping top. Oh certainly! Like I just like to see the inside of homes. It's impressive to me yeah. how some of this architecture is done in the city. Like I'm not even trying to see people. I'm just trying to see the house. Exactly. I yeah. get that. So that's like one of my favorite pastimes, and uh, I don't remember how we got there, but yes. you said you like walking. There was another part in transitioning to. Yes. Fine dining? Yes. So I was living... Thank you, God. What would I do without him? Um, this, and I, is, this is the, the love of this episode, though. It's just <laughs> the total, like, where are we going? <laughs> <laughs> you never know. So I was moving around a lot, and I moved to a place on 1500 West George, which is almost a historical landmark to me at this point. It's okay. right next to a bar called Side Street Saloon, which is still there. And uh, there's a bartender there named Sean. And he's essentially just like cultivated this gorgeous community of like nine to 10 people who go generally four or five nights a week. And I got integrated into that really, really quickly. I was living with these two nerds who were going to DePaul who were just goofy guys like 
who like when I met, I found their place on uh, Facebook Marketplace, and the place was gorgeous, like a really cool. Um, in New York, they're called railway apartments, where it's just like one, like a couple of rooms attached, but no real hallways. Hmm. And that's kind of how our apartment was in in um, like New a York. studio, but like a three bedroom studio. It was a, it was a studio, but like three or four separate rooms, like kitchen, yeah. obviously living room, dining room, and then another living room. Okay. And then our apartments, or like our bedrooms, were essentially like attached to those rooms, kind of. Oh, that's so interesting. It was a really cool layout. We had like a ping pong table. These kids are actually like doing pretty well. Okay. Um, but I never talked to them because they were like, one of them was a designer and he was like, smoked CBD weed. So I was like, all right, no, not my kind of guy. And then okay. the other one was super skittish and like, just like wanted to talk to me about Japanese video games. And I was like, never, okay, never mind. So like another time where I was like, fuck, I can't be friends with my roommates. But I was drinking at Side Street Saloon one night, as one does. And this kid walks in, just crying his eyes out, like drunk as shit, like snot everywhere, like one, like fucking one of these kids, you know. And at this point, I'm probably 24, and everyone who's 21 to me sucks, and they do much more now, but like fuck me. Um, so you know, sits down, gets a drink, he gets Mount Gay. I'll never forget because all he used to drink was Mount Gay. What is Mount Gay? It's a tequila vodka. No, or it's a, vodka? no, it's a rum, I think. I think oh, it's babe, a rum. oh, it is. Yeah, Mount Gay rum. Yeah. So oh, um, I've heard it before. It's actually, his, I think it's actually kind of popular. It's his favorite. It's like, it's mid-level, you know what I mean? Okay. It's not like, so he's drinking that like on the, like, it's like the double on the rocks and like a fucking pint glass. Out. People do that? People he, drink we, rum we, we do. We do. Oh my God. Psychopaths do. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so he, Sean, Sean introduced me to him. He's like, hey man, this is Sebastian. You guys will love each other. 30 seconds later, I fucking hate him. I'm like, oh my God. He's bitching to me about his girlfriend at the time. whose name was Julia, who they were the most interesting couple I'd ever seen because they're the two wittiest people I've ever met in my entire life. Okay. But just awful for each other. Just awful for each other, which was awesome for me in many ways. But just entertaining. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, we, you know, I was like, it gets to the point in the night where I was like, ah, I'm going home. He was like getting to two o'clock. He's like, where do you live at? I was like, next door. He's like, for real? No shit. I was like, yeah, in the apartment's next door. He's like, no kidding. You want to see where I live? I was like, yeah. We walk outside. And we walk up to my apartment. He's like, you live in here? I was like, yeah. He's like, walk in. Walks in the door. It's downstairs in the guard apartment. I was like, no fucking way. That's crazy. So I grab weed upstairs and I go down and smoke with him. We're like watching like Doja Cat's colored videos. <laughs> what the? And I was, you know, I like dapped him up. How do you remember that? Like, because <laughs> this was important. This is very important. Okay. So I, you know, and I, yeah, I dapped him up. Went upstairs and I, he's like, which floor are you on? I was like, the third floor. I'm all the way to the top. He's like, cool, cool, cool. And there was a back door to it. So I remember going in through the back door. And I guess I didn't lock it. So I went to bed, wake you up. clearly saw you go to yeah. the back door. No, we were watching me. It was terrible, I guess. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I go to bed and I wake up at a very unusual hour, 10, from someone banging on my door. And I'm thinking it's my roommate. Like I'd left weed out or whatever, something. I'm like, fuck it. God damn it. So I open the door and it's Sebastian. And he's like, what's up, dude? And I was like, what's up, dude? At your bedroom door. At my bedroom door. And he's like, you left the back door unlocked. I was like, I guess I did, didn't I? And so the thing is, I'm thinking he had like knocked on my other roommates' doors. To see, Did obviously. he have to pass your other roommates? No. So I was actually attached to the back door right there. So, oh, okay, okay, okay. So I'm thinking he either I was the first one he tried, or he tried somebody else, and like they were like he's over there. It was like how the fuck do you get in here? But nevertheless, so we go downstairs back to his apartment because I'm scared at this point because I'm thinking he's gonna kill me. So I was like, he's like, you want to hang out? I was like, yeah, yeah, please, God, yes. So we go downstairs and he was like, what do you want to do today? I was like, uh, whatever you want to do, buddy. He's like, well, I have this acid. And I was like, and then I immediately started to calm down. I said, oh, okay, great. You're a normal guy. Let's do it. So I'm like trying to teach him how to lie to his girlfriend, like keep an alibi for like what you're going to do for the day, right? Because as a man who's going to do hallucinogens, you do not want to talk to a woman at all under any circumstances. So I had like told my girlfriend I was going to go like help at work or go with Vaughn or do something. And he was like, ah, oh, she'll be fine. She was not fine. 
But ultimately, we ended up going to the lake, and it was just a gorgeous day. I put my speaker in my backpack. We're drinking beers, like walking down, uh, walking down uh, the mile where you can see all of the. I don't know what you call it, to be honest with you. Um, but walking down this, the street, the big street where it's also bike, but many people walk, and you can see all the infrastructure in the backdrop. Oh, like the. The, the Lakeshore path that you yes. can like yes. curve if we can, see. Yes. Is that like exactly. a beautiful yes. monorail harbor? I, no, no, no. I really don't know. No, we used to live right by it. Um, Sandberg, like you get onto that access and as you go towards the okay. city. And it's just like yeah. the most gorgeous it's just like vantage the most point of the city. picturesque part of yes. the Lakeshore. Yes. And we're walking down there and it's just this beautiful day. Like the acid was great. I'm drinking beers. We're sitting with this new friend. You know, we get in the lake and it's a gorgeous day and the water's great and then we see these two kids throwing a ball and we both immediately have this thought like oh yeah let's go let's go fuck these kids up so they have like a mini like nerf football and at that point oh eight to ten eight to ten (laughs) and you know like you know what the best football ever made is is the nerf one like the nerf like with the bunch oh Oh, my god you can throw it 600 yards yeah so they had one of those but it wasn't that one specifically so in my mind i'm like oh my god like it's my time like it's my it's my chance. Like I can yeah. finally prove what I have, and so I'm playing jackpot, and I have the I'm pl- I'm the one throwing, and Sebastian goes over with these two kids, and I call like 1200. I think the first throw, I chuck it up there. Dude immediately just starts throwing like ch- like stiff arms. One kid picks the other one up and throws him. You said Sebastian's what like a five oh five ten like- two hundred twenty pounds at the time. Big old dude, like burly yeah. dude, but has the strength of a wildebeest. Probably I will never <laughs> test him. Okay. So he's just like throwing these kids around. He catches the ball one hand. He's like, I got it. And I'm in the over there in the water like, oh, God. Like, oh, God. I'm like <laughs> looking around like I'm, I'm trying to because Max asked yesterday. He's like, where are the parents? I was like, I don't know. I'm looking around to see if I can find any. Like, oh, fuck. So we, I think I like called Jackpot next just so I could get the game over with because I was like, this is going to kill somebody. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So we get out of the water and he and I, uh, another small tidbit, he does walk up to me and go, oh, shit. I don't. I think I threw the fuck out of that kid. I probably shouldn't have done that. So we decide we're gonna. So at least has, he, we know Sebastian has a conscience. Oh yeah, yeah <laughs> minutely, but he does. Yes. He does. Okay. So we we decide we're gonna like smoke again. So we sit on a park bench, and I'm starting to roll up, and like maybe five minutes in, we start to like start to notice some weird things about this park bunch, and there's like flies buzzing around. There's kind of like trash sitting relatively near. It's like dirty around. And I was like, it's kind of fucking weird, isn't it? And, like lean over and bump him. He's like, yeah, man. And, I, and then almost instantaneously, I look to my right, and there is a homeless man sleeping on the bench next to us. And then I point at Sebastian, he looks at me and goes, I think we're sleeping on this man's bed. <laughs> so we immediately get up and just divert all attention. Like, like I was like, yeah, they're like slapping hands. I was like, yeah, we should get the fuck out of here, bro. We gotta go meet the whoever at the party. <laughs> yeah, it was awful. It was awful. So yeah, I remember we walked home for the rest of the night, and then obviously, like his girlfriend was very upset that he had not texted yeah. her all day. Um, I was dating this girl named Zoe who was hot, but I didn't like her. She was mean to me, but she was so she flying. She um, so you Jail know, loves that kick his coverage. Oh yeah, oh yeah, big gorgeous Jewish woman, like big black curly hair, loved it. Oh god. Anyways, uh, that was kind of the end of the day, but I knew that we were going to be tethered for the rest of our lives. It was just one of these guys who I was just, mag- you know, gravitating to. And yeah. if you and you will meet him, and I can't believe you guys haven't yet, but I, I refuse to introduce him because he is he is and was a savage psychopath. But now he's big business, you know what I mean? Because he's my boss. Okay. Um, but, you know, uh, we hung out every day probably for the next three weeks, and he was the guy who gave me my first chance in fine dining. So, okay, you kind of told this story yesterday, but... Rehash the like 
the interview. Which, yeah. What was the name of the restaurant? So Sepia. It's in the West Loop. It's on... Um, he had already worked there. Michelin so he was... Star. Yeah, yeah. they have a Michelin star. They've had one for, I think, 11 years. I didn't fact check any of this shit yesterday. I should have. I think they've had one for 11 years. They've been open for 13. Okay. Um, they're owned by Emmanuel Noni. And then their executive chef at Sepia is a guy named Kyle Cottle. And then the executive chef overall in their group, quote unquote, would be a dude named Andrew Zimmerman, who pretty much operates their sister restaurant down the street called Proxy. Okay. Proxy is right across the street from Blackbird, which formerly was Blackbird, where they got Kyle Cottle from, which is now Olavita. Okay. Which we were talking about yesterday. Olavita is good. So, like, all in that stretch is just really, really good, really gorgeous food. And okay. pretty decently appraised for what it's worth. Um, right next to there is Primitive, which is another... It's a it's a um, furniture store as well. Okay. But there's this um, alley in the back, which is like a, an old school shipping lane, like essentially that is really really cool. I think it's one of the coolest parts about being over there. But nevertheless, he was a line cook in the morning um, with a couple of different guys who I'm now pretty close with. One of those guys um, works for um, Regalis Foods. Okay. And Regalis is doing a bunch of caviar and everything. If you're in Chicago and you've eaten pretty well, you know what Regalis is to some extent. Okay. Um, Luke Luke Hine is the guy who I'm thinking of, but um. Essentially, he was working at this place called Sepia, and he, we had been talking for weeks and months about what I, or weeks, I guess, what I wanted to do, what I was doing, how he was doing it. Because this guy, at this point, I'm 25 years old, maybe 24, and he's 22. And, you know, when you're 22 and you find something that you like and that you enjoy, you want to do it not only to the best, but you want to conquer it and you want to beat everything about it. Yeah. And the guy that he was at 22 is a guy that he is at 25, 26 now, and he's the same guy in so many different ways that it's awesome, but... Yeah. He was the guy who really instilled this identity in me in that, like, we can do this. We can really change the concept of what we want to do in this world. But first, you got to start here. And we all got to start somewhere. So, Sepia was my starting grounds. I didn't know anything about the Michelin Guide. Didn't know what the Michelin Guide was. Didn't know what fine dining was. Just thought it was a nicer restaurant I could make more money, as we all do. So, I walk into my interview with, like, flip-flops and khaki shorts on. (laughs) And I interviewed this guy named John Aarons, who's now managing partner over there at North Pond. Um, North Pond is another Michelin star place. Really, really great spot in Lincoln Park, like right next to Lincoln Park Zoo. Um, okay. Another side piece. The bartender, one of the bartenders there on Sunday, his name's Adam Burke, was my former roommate for the last three or four years. Um, okay. Really, really good guy. Beyond that, um, I walked into my interview and he interviewed me for about 15 minutes and he just asked me stuff about myself. Like, you know, like, what's your favorite book? What'd you do when you used to, what were you, when you were growing up? Like, what's your favorite shoe? You know, like stuff like that. Like yeah. really weird interview, kind of. And I was nothing like, relevant at all. Nothing about dining, server, like, like nothing about my history. Didn't look at my resume. None of this shit. Okay. I walk out and I took, I turn to my right and I go into this alley and Sebastian was waiting for me coincidentally okay. because we were about to have lunch after that. John Aarons immediately calls him <laughs> as I'm in the alley and he puts it on speakerphone. And he says, John, what's cracking? He goes, I'm not fucking hiring this guy. What the <laughs> fuck is this? <laughs> so his thought process was probably like, Sebastian wants me to interview this dude. Let's just see what's up. Yeah, you like, walk in with flip flops. Well, Sebastian was a slapdick. Like, you know what I mean? Like he was a slapdick there, but okay. the, you know. And I guess like literally had convinced him within moments of being because I walked away. I was like, "Fuck, God, you know, like, yeah. oh my God, what was I doing?" Yeah, of course, why, idiot? You know, yeah. like, embarrassed. And then he, I think he like turned around because he's like, "Don't worry, come in tomorrow." I was like, "What the fuck?" Like, walk, Sebastian walks back up to me and goes, "Don't worry, I got it. Come in tomorrow." So I did, and it was imagine it was unimaginable, dude. It's this world. It's like walking into a Build-A-Bear and then like walking into like a genetic clone factory. Like the difference is un- unimaginable. Like the way that things operated in that restaurant was like looking at like a Lamborghini factory. It was crazy. So it's like, we kind of talked about this yesterday and I 
I don't really know much about fine dining, but I've been watching The Bear, and like I think the one thing that fascinates me so much is the efficiency. Yeah, that goes on. Well, nothing can be wasted, right? Because obviously, like the entire business model is is centered around profit. Okay. Which obviously we all are. Yeah. But in the same way, like efficiency is kind of one of those things that it can't be learned. It's one of those things, or uh, it, it can't be taught. I guess it has to be learned through like experience, and like you either have to have it or you don't. It's kind of a. It's also like a science. It's a process. Well, and I think like, and one of the coolest parts about being able to do this is I just watched a podcast that my head chef just did. His name is Jenner Tomaska. And uh, he okay. just did one about talking about his experiences going through MK, which was owned by Eric, uh, Eric Williams, who just, okay. uh, who just got great, who just had a chef at Virtue when Great Lakes, James Beard. Okay. Um, so he was a huge part of James his life. James Beard Awards. Do you want to explain that? Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, I feel like most people know what Michelin stars. Yeah, are. and I, that's probably like the baseline of where people understand fine dining. Uh, yeah. The Michelin Guide is obviously like Michelin tires in France. It's a it's a company in France that does like travel guides, things of that nature. And I can't remember what the starting year was, but they've ultimately been doing like this food and beverage guide in and around uh, Europe, Central Europe, Eastern Europe. Um, and like creating obviously over the, it has to be over the last 60 or 70 years, but Chicago got in because of Charlie Trotter, I want to say, or like that's generally what's understood. I, I don't know enough to tell you, but, okay. um, late eighties, early nineties, I think I could also be wrong about those two. The things. whole thought process with the Michelin star too is, um, it's about like, it's just about adventure, star, you know, like what, isn't it one star? Means one, two, three is where you can get to. You can get one, two or three. Like three is obviously the highest like yeah. style of avant-garde and then one. It, it's kind of interesting because the way that I think about one, two, and three is like money oriented. And then I think the public perception is like one is everything is good. Two is everything is good all the time. And then three is everything is perfect and nothing ever happens. You know what I mean? Okay. Like, that's kind of like the baseline of how you should think about it, I think. I thought there was something like one star meant you could travel a day's worth. You should travel. That's interesting. I've never because Michelin star actually comes from the time. Yeah, tire. from in France. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is yeah, which is wild when I found that out. Like I Me, mean, likewise, dude. And I was like working in a restaurant. I found that. I was like, holy shit. Yeah, I, don't think it was, I think it was like originally like a marketing ploy or something, right? Yeah, As in like use our tires to go visit these restaurants. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah I yeah. honestly don't know like the origin because it's just been like now it's one of those things like commendable in the early two thousands for sure. Like mm-hmm. world's best re- or world's fifty best. James Beard, like all of these, like impressive, impressive statures of what fine dining is, have like. So the James Beard Awards, yeah. are like a separate. Yeah, this it's is, it's com- like these a- are like three completely separate entities, but they're pretty pretty much like the three bases, like 50, okay. World's Fifty Best, James Beard, and then Michelin all okay, do yeah. pretty much the same thing, just differently from each other. Okay. Um, like so, James Beard Awards are like basically individual accolades that you can get, but they're the highest in our field. So that's a little different. Like Michelin is like restaurant. Based. Yes, and then James Beard are kind of individual okay. awards, but they're not necessarily right. Like yeah. they don't have to be. Um, Whereas World's 50 Best is very simply that. It's um, the the restaurant that got World's 50 Best this year is Atomics in New York. Okay. And I'm very much looking forward to go. But nevertheless. Yeah, um, so, yeah, the Michelin Guide is basically just a fancy way of saying this is a place that you should go spend $200 at. Yeah. And um, I was, you know, so CBI started at CBI and I was hosting. And it was one of those places where I had to get, like, a suit. And I had to get a suit jacket. And I had to get matching suit pants. And I remember like spending like three hundred fifty dollars at H and M because I was still one hundred and ninety pounds, and I was just like, "Mom, like, I just spent three hundred dollars on clothes." She's like, "Okay." I was like, "For work," and she said, "Go on, like, what the fuck is? Yeah, no kidding." Welcome dude. to like, life. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I did that for about 
probably six or seven or almost probably close to eight months. And then they started like training me for service. And I did that for another four months. But the staff that, that I had there was impeccable. It's generally the same staff. Like I said, they've been open for 13, 15 years, whatever it is. Some of the servers that are there still have been there from the beginning and are still there and like impressive, like cogs of this industry. Yeah. Um, the one woman who really helped me out, whose name was Tangie Norman is just the, one of the most scary human beings I've ever met. But like knows everything, the ins and outs of Chicago, She's how to talk bitch. to people. Oh my god, dude! Yeah. Like I thought I knew how to talk to people. She taught me that I didn't know how to talk to people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, Kevin uh, Kevin Mori was another guy who just moved out of Chicago like last month. He taught me a lot about wine and really got me interested in wine. And then there's another guy named Wyatt Shaw who I haven't talked to in years, but he was a really quirky guy and I, I miss him a lot. Um, so so you went from what was the name of this restaurant? Again? This is Sepia. Sepia. Yeah. You went from sepia, COVID happened. COVID, yeah. So I started serving restaurant week, which would have been February of 2019. Okay. Um, and really quickly, before we get past that, I had yeah. like my first like f- like career-defining happening happened at sepia. Um, it was the first day I ever served, and it was like opening day of restaurant week, and I had these five guys, five business guys, and I was fucking everything up. Like... Just like what, what, like what put, didn't put the courses right when I was putting in the system, like didn't order their drinks fast enough, like didn't do it, like didn't pour wine, like didn't pour enough wine, like it was crazy. I was fucking up, and I'm freaking out internally. So they're getting up ready to go, but never externally. Oh, probably. I could, you could probably see it because I'm so young. Like I was, <sighs> I don't know. It's just like the way I know you now. You're oh just yeah. Not the type of person that. Oh, well, I can, you would never so be able to well. see it now. Yeah. But like back there, I can't even imagine what okay. I was like. Fair. So I'll never forget, I walked into the kitchen, and the kitchen is probably about the size of your, like, this space right here. Okay. And I walked in there, and I'm, like, kind of whispering around, because Chef Zimmerman's in there, I'm whispering, I was like, I need, it. I need it to go back, I need it to go back. And I, and I whispered to the dude who's making coffee, and I hear him go, John Lee, I know for a fucking fact you're not asking for it to go back in this fucking kitchen. And I said, no, Chef, and walked out, and they did not get to go back to go. And I remember the next day, I came into the, work, I came into the restaurant, and Lucy Balliver, who was my manager... Walked up to me, she's like, hey, um, Chef Zimmerman doesn't think you can be on the floor today. And I was like, <sighs> which was like kind of a relief because I would have fucked it up all over again. But like, so, so demoralizing. Did they just like, like not train you? No, I mean, they sure did. And that was my problem. I wasn't <laughs> taking it seriously at all. And I wasn't like putting enough time or effort into it. Yeah. And like, obviously, like just was not getting the concept of it at that time. So it was demoralizing, and I'll never forget getting on the train by myself and just sobbing on the way home, just sobbing. Like, couldn't call anybody because I was just, like, in tears. And then ultimately, I think, like, a week later, COVID happened, and everything just changed. You know, I went and got on a bus and got home and golfed and drank five nights a week. Yeah. yeah that's also, what we did. really quick, are you still supposed to play? I, I actually, 8 o'clock. 8 o'clock, okay. So we're fine. I, I told him, I said, I said, I'm doing a podcast, and he said, no, you're not. I said, yeah, I swear. You have to send it to him now, too. Yeah, no, okay, okay, cool. So, COVID happens, you, I'm assuming they just like, did you work every now and then? No, I mean, COVID, I mean, I was getting, I was getting, by, or fucking, uh, Uncle Donnie was sending me money. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Uncle Donnie so was sending me bucks, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, all, and everything was closed. So what me, I would do throughout the week was I would get with RK, because Jordan was pregnant, so he didn't have anything to do, because he wasn't working yet. That's fair. We would golf three nights a week, and then go to Reed Begley's house, and it would be like, the we basically quarantined together. It was like seven of us who would just get fucking hammered at Reed Begley's, <laughs> and then go home. Like, so it was you were back in Hamilton for yeah. like months on end. Oh, yeah. I mean, okay. Probably six months, actually, thinking about it. That's yeah. fair. 
um, came back to the city and I was jobless, of course. And I moved in with this guy named Chris Rodriguez, who I will never speak about again after this because he's the. I thought he was going to kill me too. Um, he Some rough. Ruben. I remember moving into his apartment. and He was like the first night. We, he had like four or five people over. I rolled like an eight gram blunt, like a massive blunt that everybody could smoke on. And he was just like, "Have you ever been arrested or anything?" I was like, "No, bro. You know, I'm I'm pretty clean guy for what it's worth." He's like, yeah, me neither. And he moved, like, I remember walking into my bedroom, there was a desk in there. I pulled the desk out, and there was arrest papers from, like, for Chris Rodriguez. I was like, okay, so this dude just lied to me 15 minutes without knowing him. So this, this is going to be awesome. This guy's a tool. Um, so it was awful. Um, so I went to Puerto Rico for a weekend. Um, I just had to get away. Like, things were getting weird, and it was mid-COVID, and I think, like, the total trip was $500. Me and Vaughn went, Damn. and our flight was $52 round trip. Okay. So we went to Puerto Rico, and it was... Another shit show. It was the best cocaine I've ever had. Sincerely, the best cocaine. I went to, so I was buying drugs from the guy behind me in the hostel. And I remember going down there. And I can't remember what his name is. But I shook his hand. I was like, hey, sir, I heard you're the guy to come talk to if I needed to get things. He's like, yeah, man, I sell coke. I sell weed. I was like, what do you do for both? He's like, 20. I was like, Twenty dollars? He's like, yeah. I was Dude, like, for, for I heard people talk about Puerto Rico, like it is literally a paradise. Oh yeah. You don't pay taxes. You're still in America. Oh, it's just shit. Like it's not paradise. It's a shithole. But like really? it was, it was awesome. It was very cool. It was very gorgeous. But like. The infrastructure is just okay, destroyed. Fair. You don't know yeah. need. But I was like twenty. I was like twenty for what? For weed? He's like no, for both. I said, sir, here's eighty dollars. Give me two of both. <laughs> yeah. What do you need? So I see an Instagram ad for this restaurant called Porto, and I guess it just opened up. Um, opened by a guy. Um, opened by um, Bon Home Group, which is a restaurant this group is back in the city. In Chicago. This is while I'm in Puerto Rico. Okay. I'm like sitting on the roof, like in Puerto Rico. But the restaurant is in Chicago? The restaurant, yeah. Okay. It's in West Town. Yeah. I'm thinking, like, you're about to apply to a restaurant so, in Puerto Rico. So, yeah. No <laughs> so, here's the idea. Do you know where, um, um, what do they call it? Um, Jesus Christ. Um, they have a couple of different restaurants. Celeste is in their ownership group. Yep. Celeste, uh, the big club. I don't club. know what that ownership group um, is. What's the one next to Porto that I like a lot that we it's went for breakfast? It's not is it? There's one on the what the, by the river. Beatnik. Beatnik is there. Is there like yeah. two big staples of what they do? Okay. Um, Beatnik by the river, and then Beatnik is right next to Porto as well. Okay. So okay. I see an Instagram ad, and I respond to it, and their sommelier calls me. His name's Colin Hover, and he's like, "Hey man," like calls me like 15 minutes later. I was like, "What the fuck?" I'm drunk as shit on the roof. He's like, "Hey man," I was like, "Hi." He's like, "Is your name John Lee?" I was like, "Yes sir." He's like, so "I just got your Instagram reply." Like I was like, "Very cool." He's like, would you want to work here? He's like, yes. And this is me not working like eight months yeah, now damn. at this point. That's sick. So I was like, yes, please. He's like, send me your resume. I sent it to him, emailed me right back. He's like, brother, come in for stage next week. I was like, I'm in Puerto Rico. Can we make it like 10 days from now? <laughs> like, yeah. It's going to be bad. So I get back and start working at Porto and it was magic. So how long were you there? Um, I probably did that for about a year and a half. Okay. Um, it was really cool because, you know, CPU was this interesting facet of what fine dining is because like I said any of us can go you can take anyone you want to take and it will be one of the most consistently good meals you'll ever have okay. and they do it the right way you know you can get four courses and you get to pick three of them I think and then you get out of there it's what does that mean when you say you get four courses and you get to pick three of them so like obviously the traditional tasting menu is like a, a pre-course menu a pre-fix menu is what you okay. call it it's like an obviously set menu however many courses and like it's coming out at specific times in spe specific nature. Okay. I, from what I understand, if CPA's menu is still the same, if it, you'll have four courses and then they'll have two choices for the la for like the first, the last four okay. or the first four. That's or whatever fair. It is. That's fair. Um, it's not necessarily different, but it's just a little bit more easy, but they also do all the cart stuff as well. That's all really good. Okay. Kyle Cottle is a genius, like legitimately yeah. very good chef. So a restaurant like that, 
is it much more of like a you go in there with the impression of like I'm gonna let this chef just decide what my evening looks no, like no because like it's still more or less like I think I think that's the idea that we have as like the general public like, yeah. because like whatever's intended is best and that's always gonna be true that's no matter what restaurant it. you go to yeah but, like, the idea is also for you to understand, like, what you're getting into yourself, I think. Because, like, like, sepia is not a hard restaurant to go to. Like, it's What do you not, mean like, by a hard restaurant? Like, Alinea is a hard restaurant to go to. It's not necessarily digestible by the whole public. You're going to have to pay X amount of dollars. I don't know what it is anymore. Five fifty, six hundred plus okay. wine pairing. And it's a five-hour experience. You know, yeah. Like, you have to know what you're getting into. You don't have to know anything about Alinea, but you have to understand, like, the palate that you're going to trust. Like, okay. who you're going to see. Like, how important it's going to be for, like, service to be on point. Like, okay. that's the stuff that I think about where you guys go, whoa, they're putting ice cream on the table. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, shit like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair. So, you know, like, sepia is just this stone-cold cornerstone of what it is to have, like, a really good service with a really good dinner yeah porto was like fucking the wild wild west we were just gunslinging out there dude really and it wasn't like necessarily bad in nature because all food is consumed in many many different ways emotionally like i had a guy tell me one time and i've had many many instances of like really special things being said to me but i had a guy tell me one time he's like dude every bite i've ever taken has been important to me like no matter if it's good or bad every bite has, has always been important and that was a guy at porto his name was um he's a michelin writer he's not really important Stephen Stephen Kwan like right fielder for the for the Cardinals Stephen Kwan I think um <laughs> what a what a connection in your brain right there I think that's his name I can't remember <laughs> I can't remember his last name but it's someone with a K okay and, it's, and okay, I think okay. it was like an Asian last name um but yeah he he told me that I was just like fucking blown away I remember like walking back to the like closet like almost tearing up but, you know, it's, like, stuff like that. Like, we were doing really cool shit at Porto, and our wine list was 400 bottles of wine. Fucking and man. that was when I walked into a group of people who I can name certifiably still today. Hannah, Hannah Ford Smith, who's a lead captain at Alinea, who's one of the best professionals ever come this to contact with. the most amount of shout-outs anyone has ever done on a podcast before. <laughs> I don't think it'll be a while. Um... Alessandro Serna, who is probably doing something at Bazaar Meats by Jose Andres, and then, um, well, I was doing wine. And then uh, one of my chefs, uh, Chef Brenda Serath, who was like one of the most interesting people on earth who I would love to link up with soon. And I know you're single now, so holler at me. And uh, so like these were people who were just interested in what we were doing and wanted to learn more and like wanted to know more about wine and wanted to put cooler things in front of people and wanted people to spend more because they were going to see more cool things. And like that's what I wanted to do at CPU, but we were like, no, we get, we're doing this. It's all good. It's, it's all good. simple. Yeah. When we, I got to Porto, I was like, I can make somebody, I can make somebody pay eighteen hundred dollars to eat here. Like, I can. That's that. crazy. Like it was like there were nights like it's hard to it's hard to antiquate right because like that's eighteen hundred bucks for like a couple. Yeah, I could. I mean, I never got there. I don't think I ever got there. I mean, I I definitely sold like there was a bottle of wine there. So, quick side note. Um, yes, I'm getting into wine. Wine's really cool. I don't drink wine at all. I don't drink wine at home. I don't drink wine outside of work, and I refuse to because I fucking hate it. <laughs> But, but you're training to be a sommelier. But there was a wine there um, by a guy named Alvaro Palacios who owns a vineyard called El Ermita. El Ermita is like one of the oldest vineyards that we've known in human history. And they grow Grenache. It's in Priorat. So if you're looking at a map of Spain, Priorat is northeast, like kind of like by Catalonia. Okay. And um, well over my head. so there's a Grenache there that we had that was from 2013. And it was $1,300 because it's considered to be some of the best Grenache that we've grown in human history. Okay. So I sold it to a guy who was a big Russian guy. He had like six people with him. And I remember asking him, I was like, sir, I was like, this is the best bottle we have in the house. Is there any way I can try it? And he goes, no. 
And like generally, like your guests will be like, yeah, of course. Like here, have a glass. You know, like most people are yeah. like, this was big business guys. So I think that was a table that I got like very close to like 3K. But like couples, no chance. Like it's real. It was real. We were doing tasting menu for like 150, and then like a la carte okay. items were maybe the maybe most expensive. What we had was 80 bucks. You know, okay, like. that's not like yeah. So, but the coolest part about Porto was like it was it was not a group effort. Like we got like now restaurant scenes in Chicago, and I'm not necessarily sure around the world yet, but restaurant scenes in Chicago are mainly tip pool oriented. So like if you walk in. And there's five people on the floor. All five of those people are making tips. But it's just pooled. So it's kind it's, of... Yeah, it's when I walked into Porto post-COVID, like, it was like, fuck it. Whatever you make is yours. What? Like, dude, what, are you shitting me? Like, there... And I can show you. I'll pull up Snapchats right now. Like, there were nights where I walked out of there with $900 doing six seventy six six fifty and six, Like, 6500 Damn. Like, I was doing 30% of night tips because I would just be walking up to people, slipping them food, like... Pouring them new glasses of wine, like everything. Because it was the wild fucking west. Just do whatever you want. Now, you know, I transitioned from like being stupid at work. Like I never drank at work anymore. I can't do drugs at work anymore. It's because I have to, you have to be, you have to be coherent for those. And I know people like locked in. Yeah. I'd like to be locked in there. Like I know people that I work with who who don't care and like can do those things comfortably, but like, fuck no, dude. Fuck no chance. Like I'm trying to, I'm trying to sell you a private jet. I can't be fucked up. Like... No, that's a good point. So Porto was really cool, but uh, I have a lot of problems with it. And I really, really don't regret anything that I've ever said or anything that I've ever felt about it because it is a terrible place. And uh, it's it's a terrible place because of their ownership group. And I think that's where Chicago falls flat a lot of the ways. Um, like, for example, I went to Umo last night. And I told you guys about it sitting in the group chat. Umo yeah. is a restaurant that just got opened up. I can't remember what the restaurant group is, but they poached Jose Sosa. Is that the same restaurant group as Ima and Mm-mm. all those? Okay. It might be, but I, again, I, I just remember reading about yeah. it last night. So okay. they post Jose Sosa from what's the Gibson's? Oh, okay. he was Gibson's Italia's executive chef. They poached him there. I went in last night and I had two entrees, an appetizer, and something else by myself with two cocktails. It was one hundred and eighty dollars. It's one of the worst meals I ever had. Really? While I'm sitting there, I look across the room and I see Marcos Campos. Marcos Campos is the second Spanish Michelin-starred chef in the United States. I worked for him at Porto for about a year. When I quit Porto, I quit without notice, didn't tell a single person, just stopped coming in. So you really had a vendetta against Oh, absolutely. Okay. And for the very simple reason that one of their chefs, I was going to kill. I was going to kill him. It's this guy named Erwin Mallet. He worked at Le Bouchon in Miami for a long time. And I'm not gonna kill him. I'm not, but I, I, I was I, I, I like actually made the ultimatum to my to my like to my HR staff. I was like, it's either me or him. And they're like, well, we're not letting him go. So fair enough. So there was this guy named Erwin Mallet who was an absolute piece of shit. He was a decent chef. He's not the best chef I've ever seen. He's not even a great chef. Um, he treated me like shit. He was the first time that I ever met someone who literally like would made like got joy out of being terrible to me. Just being a dick. There was a period of time where like I want to say for so I probably started when I got back from Puerto Rico that would have been May. I probably started in May from May till August. He never once said my name. He called me he just called me his bitch. Oh fuck that. For like four and a half months. And I, like- and I thought it was funny for like the first three weeks. Like ha and then yeah. it finally like he would like pull me aside and just get into me, bro. Is he like, just like so? Was he just like a sous chef? He, yes, but he's the right hand man. See, we didn't have a French brigade over there, so it's kind of hard to like. Okay, antiquate. yeah, I said that yesterday. That's a little confusing. It's hard to antiquate because yeah. like he he would be right. He would be like the executive sous. He would he be the like, next guy in charge okay. behind Marcos. But he was this like five five French guy 
who just hated me. And I understand why for a lot of the reasons, because I like had individualism there and I was who I was and I didn't, and I didn't stray from that. And I will never in any restaurant ever again, but like he was one of these people who would like literally like tear me down to my core, like had like made me cry multiple times in front Jesus. of him, like type shit. And like, I have like, there's notes in my phone. There was from Hannah Ford Smith. She like left a note one night in my phone, like how to survive chef, the survival guide. Like, and it's still in here. And it's crazy, dude, because, like, I had to live with this. I mean, I was making great money, and I was doing really cool stuff in front of people, but, like... You hated going to work. I mean, I hated life. I hated being alive. Oh, my God. And that was really simple to me because, I I mean, there was... The first one is style. Get cool shoes. Yeah, like, (laughs) but just bullshit. Like, random bullshit. Like, so, I, you know, there was a week, um, and I'll never forget, like, I was making more money than my mom was. Like, than my parents were. Like, they're... In 2019, I probably netted, like, 100K. Jesus Christ. Like, serving. Or 2020, sorry. Okay. Like, in six months, I probably netted 100K. That's, like, also still in the middle of fucking COVID, too. Yeah. Like, that's crazy. It was a... I mean, it was a brand new restaurant. We were... Like I said, we were... I was... You are killing it. Making more money than anyone there. Easily. Hand over fist. How long did you last there? About a year. I think I went May to May. Made a made a March, I think. Okay. Okay. Um, and I mean, there was a week we would get paid weekly. I went twenty five and then thirty one back to back weeks. Like it was stupid. Like fucking slinging sacks. That bro. was when you we would hang out constantly. We went out all summer. That was yeah. when I was like buying shoes and shit. Like buying, uh, I like people. We would go out to the bar and somebody would like need a cigarette and I'm like, I'll just go down the street and get two packs. Like, yeah. I was stupid with money and I don't oh, have man. any of that to show for it now. None of it. But like. It was, it was like that. It was like doing cocaine all the time. It was like literally like doing cocaine. I was like, I was waking up 30 minutes before work, going to work, making $800 and leaving and then going to spend 400 of it. Like it was the same thing, just in a, in a higher level. So was that the last place you were at before Esme? Yeah. Okay. So then how did you, did you just apply to Esme? So. Esme is the place you're at. So this is how we, this is how it all ties together, right? Okay. So I've been doing fine dining for a long time. And now I think that I'm at this place where I can speak freely and comfortably about everything that I've done in my career and like what's important to me and what should be important in the industry and all these things that encompass what Chicago restaurant industry is. So Sebastian works at Esme. Sebastian helped open Esme because oh, he's known Jenner, my executive chef, Jenner Tomaska, for roughly the entire time he's been in Chicago. Okay. So Jenner Tomaska is this guy who opened up or who helped um, work at MK under Eric Williams and then went to Next, which is in the Alinea Group. Okay. Excuse me. Next was run by a guy named Dave Barron, who now works in LA. If you were walking down the street and there's a couple, like a 45 year old white couple walking down the street and you ask them, you know who Dave Barron is? They will know who Dave Barron is because he was a Chicago superstar for a long time because he was, I mean, Next was everything. They were doing 300 covers Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Covers meaning heads. People. Yeah. Yeah. For, like, in the 2000s, 300 people, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, no questions. And this is, like, before social media. This is before you could get, like, chefs in the door. Like, Jenner was, like, like has a podcast where he talks about, like, how difficult the transition was because he was seeing his friends fall flat where he had just got, you know, a junior suit next. Yeah. And he's just like, what the fuck is going on in the world, you know? Blowing up. So, um, did, he was the exec at next from 2012 to 2018, got James Beard nomination twice for... Great best chef in in uh, Great Lakes, yeah. and then had a falling out because the industry has changed. And we kind of we kind of talked about that a little bit yesterday, where like the old guard is changing, and the bear kind of highlights that in a way where 
like there's specific scenes in season one where like the way that people are treated in the kitchen is not necessarily how people are treated anymore, but absolutely how it was from 1990 to 2010. You know what I mean? And yeah. Jenner was a part of that old guard where like the scene specifically that sticks out to me is like the scene where it's supposed to be 11 Madison Park and it's um, whatever his name is walks up to the dude and he's like you're fucking nothing. Like, yeah. You're a piece of shit. Like that. That would be that was Jenner. Like standing behind. That him was as Jenner. He's prepping food. Oh yeah. Like you're a fucking. Pussy Sebastian has told me specific stories where Jenner used to do that. To Jesus. Him. And, like, we're all best friends now. I just you know, can't imagine a scenario that, like, how does that work? Like, that intimidation factor of making food. You know why it works? Because you want to do it better than anybody else. And you want to tell your, and you want to secretly look at your chef with eyes and your eyes say, go fuck yourself. You're yeah. a piece of shit. That's why you want to do it. And I just killed this. That's why you want to do it. Okay, and the right. second you, and I'm getting, yeah, you know, I'm getting goosebumps about it. Because, like, when you do it, dude, yeah. fuck no. Like, nobody's better than me. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that kind of thing. Like, that feeling, conquering the world, even though it's just one plate and you got 89 more to do. Yeah. Stupid. So, what's, like, the culture now? I'd say in my restaurant, it's kind of different, right? Because, like, I know that there are a lot of restaurants in the city that operate, like, very new, like, nuanced. But, like, I pretty much have two women working with me. Okay. And in today's world, and especially, like, in today's Chicago society, like, that is a frowned upon thing. And I think there is a lot of masculine energy where we work, and it's definitely, like, not necessarily misogynistic by any stretch, but, like, we are men who all work with each other, who have a common goal, and we achieve it constantly. So we're all very prideful of that. Uh-huh. Um, but I won't say it's, like, even remotely close to that. Like, the I, Jenner has yelled at me one time, and, it re- like, the one time he really ripped into me is, like, maybe the first couple weeks I was working. And I started in May of last year. Um, and he ripped into me one time. I was, like, talking about how I was going to quit because I wasn't, like, making enough and I wasn't being, like, getting the opportunity to do what I wanted to do and this and that, blah, blah, blah. Just bitching. Took my coworkers. Yeah. And I did a private party one night and I dropped a glass. And Jenner has these specific things where, like, back in the day, if you would drop silverware on the floor, you would have to go tell him. If you drop anything and break it, you have to go tell him. Like, you have to walk up to him. Hey, chef, may I call? Yes. I broke a glass. Okay. Thank you. Like, never okay, thank you, but that's the idea, right? Yeah. Gotcha. So I broke a glass and I didn't walk up to him and tell him. I told everybody else because he was d- busy doing something, so I didn't walk up to him and tell him. And I'm walking back through the kitchen with other glasses. He goes, hey, John Lee. I was like, yes, chef. He's like, why don't you quit fucking bitching and telling everybody how you deserve more respect and pay more, and why don't you actually fucking focus on your job before you lose it? <sighs> yes, chef. Okay. And it's just one of those things. Like, we, he'd never yelled at me before. It was, you know, kind of like one of those scenarios where I was like, fuck, you know, like, oh, wait, let me get my shit together. But that's, you but up. you need that. Like we, that's a necessary part of what I do. And like, yeah. it doesn't happen to me anymore because I'm the god there. But like, <laughs> <laughs> for the listeners, John Lee has served Billie Eilish. Oh, all in the last week too. That was yeah. That was you. Colin Callard tweeted about. Yeah, that was important. That was fun. That was that was important. That was important. Yeah. No, um, he's a scary human being. He's like yeah, six four jacked. What? Yeah, he's jacked as fuck. Greg Berhalter, who's the United States head coach, serves him. Oh yeah. Um, Questlove. Um, Who was the dude the other night that we were talking about this yesterday? Oh, uh, Hebrew Brantley. Yeah. Chicago legend. He's he's a Chicago artist. No, he's uh he's really close with Chance the Rapper. Like was was friends with Kanye forever. He's a Chicago staple. Like he has artwork all. If you ever seen like. Like, kind of, like, three-dimensional, like, new age art where it's, like, the big dude with glasses. Like, big dude goggles. Oh, yeah. That's Hubert Brantley. Okay, okay. So, I served him the other night. Um, John Janik, who is the CEO of Interscope, came in the other night. And I took care of him. Got his number. That's cool. Um, but, like, shit like that. Like, yeah. Like, Jenner is one of these fixtures in the industry that people have known about. And Esme, 
where I work up in Lincoln Park is this incredible space. And we talk about it in such fickle ways, but like, it's a platform. That's all it is. Like, it's a building that has windows that we put art up and highlight people. And we will highlight a nonprofit, but generally artists is the most focal point of that. Yeah. And we'll put cool shit in front of you and then we all go home. And that's what I tell every guest that walks in the building. Like, I say we are very simple people here. Like we have one common goal and that's to not only show you what Lincoln Park dining can be in yeah. this space, but also highlight the beauty around this city and like what is important around this artistry and these fixtures and this plates and the plateware and the silverware and everything that goes in front of you is important to this. And this is just a space to see it in. You know what I mean? So out of like, I guess if we're talking just from my perspective, like three pillars of fine dining would be like experience like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Just, like, the way it looks, the presentation. Yeah, 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 yeah for and sure. And, like, the actual food. What yeah, is and the... that's the big three. That's almost, like, the Michelin standard, right? Okay. Like, ambiance. I kind of just made that. Ambiance, um, front of house staff, like, uh, like I guess, service, service, and then food are, like, the big three things that you need to think where about. Where do you, you know think I mean? the food ranks in that at Esme? Um, where like do, the do taste, I taste, Like, I of Esme? Yeah. I think we're one of the three best restaurants in the city. Really? Yeah, easily, hands down, bar none. Wow. I want to fucking eat there, so... Like, what's, no, what's no questions say, asked. What What would you say it would cost, like, Ken's and I to come in for a night? Um, well, I, see, that's my thing, right? Like, because I know how much pool I can get, but, like, let's say we weren't Put friends. That out, yeah, yeah, like, let's like, say we weren't friends. Um, if you come on a Saturday, Sunday, the menu's 260, 265. For two people? Each. Oh, okay. That makes more sense. I was going um, to say 260's not bad at all. You would, if you're with me, you'd do a wine, you'd do the classic wine pairing, which... Of course, I made hair flip for the listeners. And uh, so that's two fifty each. Okay. Um, and then we have supplemental courses, which you would also probably do, which would be ninety bucks. So you both do that, and I mean, you'd probably be. It's like a thousand dollars. Yeah, twelve hundred, unless you, you know, yeah, something like that. Okay, fair. How many courses is that? Ten, I think. Oh my God. I think it's ten. Might be nine. So you're fucking like you're getting small plates, but you're stuck. Not even small. I wouldn't say that. How the fuck do people eat all that shit? Uh, I mean, it's two and a half hours, right? Like, it's not like you're. You're cramming all that down, yeah. Hanging out, okay. You know, and it's one of the... I don't think people think about it, you know? I mean, like, the, I think, like, you know, and I'm a guy who likes to read reviews about restaurants because I'm very vain. Yeah. And I read all of my... All of our reviews. Like, I read the Secret Resi reviews. Like, I read everything. Okay. Just because I like seeing it. And it's feedback for me because I don't tell chefs. They see that shit, too, of course. Yeah. Um, but, like, it's really important to, like, see some of that sometimes but like the people who bitch about like too much like go fuck yourself like what are you talking about it's t- too much food no yeah I totally get that yeah, like there was we did it's a menu certainly better than not having yeah, enough no kidding three three menus ago we did a 15 course menu and that's where I was like people complain about too much food I was like okay I get it like I get that <laughs> yeah. Um, just like uncomfortable yeah of course but like the criticisms that I see come into the restaurant are absurd uh, and it's just one of those things like the people who do come in and appreciate Esme because this is now my baby like it's one of those, like, from what I understand, we're going to open another restaurant. I don't know how secretive that's supposed to be, but we're going to open another <laughs> restaurant. I've been talking about that for a little bit. And uh, I, t- I asked Jenner the other day, I said, you know, I said, so you're, you're thinking about doing it. He's like, I just haven't signed the paperwork for it. I was like, are you going? He said, no. I said, am I going? He said, no. I said, we're good. Like, I want to be here with you, and that's all I care about. You know? That's fair. And, um, you know, the criticisms that I see about Esme are so, so minute and so stupid. But I remember thinking about it the same way as Porto, like reading those reviews and just being like, you're stupid. Like, and now looking back, like, okay, those were justified. Yeah. So I have trouble, like, really finding the dissonance, like, oh, the people actually have valid, you know, valid reasoning for not liking this. But generally, it's well liked, you know what I mean? That's why we can charge $265 for a menu. And there's only three other restaurants in the city who do that. That's crazy. Dude. So. 
That's fucking awesome. It's important, uh, dude. It's a whole it, other world that I just have never. I know, dude. Because we're like obviously business corporate corporate world, whatever. I think yeah. corporate so, dinners are so much more different than like fine dining. Yeah. Oh, that's not even what I'm talking about. I'm saying I just have not even thought about like. Oh the, yeah. The industry of fine dining. Right. And how much goes into it. You know, and that's in how the, it's an art. Yeah, it's and, hard. And, it's you know, hard. and that's what hard. this menu yeah. that we're doing in Esme is focused around. And it's crazy to me because, like, Jenner's this pessimistic guy who's socially awkward and, like, doesn't want to answer questions about people. But he's just this incredible human being that can make you feel things. It makes you fixate on things. It makes you think about things in a way you haven't done before. And, and, I, and I make fun of him from it for it in front of his face to guests. I'm like, you know, people ask Jenner all the time, like, is art food? Is food art? Yeah. And he hates that fucking question. But, like, of course it is. Or of course it isn't. It doesn't matter if it is or not. Like, it's your choice. You could decide based on this menu. You could decide what based on what you see in front of you. That's why Like, it's not, a, it's not a yes or no question at that point, right? Like, it's, yeah. it's open-ended. Yeah. And, you know, but to go back to you, Max, like, the funniest thing about that is, like, I, I tell you guys about it all the time, and we talk about little minute points about my job, but I have literally, li- and I mean this literally, no idea what it's like to be an adult, like a normal person who has a nine-to-five job. Like, I have operated... It's not that great. So, <laughs> <laughs> but I've operated so, like, wildly over the last six years. But that you it's love just that, like, though, right? Oh, and I will that's never like, change. That, yeah, never, ever your... change. Like, if you gave me a choice right now to say, John, you can make 100, you could quit your job right now. Do whatever you can do, any one of the jobs that your nine friends do, your Chicago Bees do, and you can make whatever amount of money you think is fair, and then continue to go up for the rest of your life, or do what you do right now. I, I, I tell you, go fuck off. Like, That's literally. Fair. Like, go fuck yourself. Like, That's I would, awesome, though. But if I said mean, otherwise, I'd buy a Herman Miller, and I'd start getting to work, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but, like, it's just so easy for me, and I don't remember what happened. I don't know what the switch was. I don't know what changed. It's just happened so many times in my career where I look up, and I'm like, fuck yeah, that's why I do it. Like, fuck yeah, that's so fucking cool. Like, that person, or, like, I read this thing, or I heard this dude say this thing, and I read this on Instagram. Like, every time. Like, it happens once a week. I'll be like, fuck yeah, dude. Like, that's what keeps you getting out of bed in the morning. That's and it's tough to get out of bed, dude. We None of us want to work. None of us want to work. None of us like our jobs. Well, we all like our jobs, I guess, to an extent. I love my job. It's fucking tight. You also love sleep. But it's work. But none of us want to work ever again. Yeah, and it's, it's funny because that's kind of the next segue, right? Like, we talked about, like, what's the next step for me or what's the next step for all of us? You know, going into some, like, getting WSET certifications is cool. And I want to be able to talk about wine. But like I said, I fucking hate wine. I don't dislike it to an extent where I like yeah it seems like a conflict of interest yeah, yeah. well it's not like, it's like not to an extent where I like won't sit down and like study it or like think about it or read about it but it's not like I don't I get Jameson in a glass and shoot eight of them you know what I mean I don't care about but don't nuance. you have to be able to like taste it and no. like enjoy it to, no really I mean of course you do but that's why I taste it and enjoy it you know what I mean I, I drink at work constantly but I'm trying glasses well, I'm trying to like a quarter of an ounce you know what I mean it's not like you're not drinking a glass of wine. Right. Just yeah. So, like, th- but the nuance to it is what's special, right? It's, like, the way that I enjoy, like, smoking weed. Like, I love rolling blunts. Like, you guys, every time you're like, you need a grinder? No. I like the nuance of breaking it down with my hands. Like, that shit's fucking weird. It's, but there's nuance <laughs> to everything in this life. And once you start finding it, is, and that's the coolest part about what I do, is, like, I, like, there's, you know, for example, steps of service is, like, the way that, is the Michelin, the Michelin standard. Like, you set down plates with your right, with your left hand. Yeah. You clear plates with your right hand. Hell yeah. And, like, I see somebody not do it in the restaurant, and I, and I have a new kid named Brady. He, he introduced himself, I swear to God, he, he introduced himself. He's like, what's up, boys? My name's Brady, not Tom. <laughs> so I've been no. fucking with him. And he cleared a plate the other day. I was like, Brady? He's like, what's up? I was like... This is this is the thing. You put your hand on your over your chest, and that's like, may I talk to you? Please come here. Yeah. So I did this, and he comes over. I was like, Brady, don't ever fucking clear your table with your left hand again. He goes, Oh, I did. I was like, No, that's not a joke. 
He's like, damn, my bad, my bad, bro, my bad. He walks yeah, away, yeah. and I just start cracking, like, la- dying laughing. Because I was like, dude, I would never be that mean, like... But of course. But you got big britches now. But there's nuance to everything you do, and it's so, like, hyper-focused in restaurants that I think that that's what I love about it. Because, like, my life is not, like, nuanced or hyper-focused. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're... So that's the subsection of what gets my dick hard. You know what I mean? Like, that's really what gets me up in the morning, is, like, being t- able to know that I go in and, like... The napkins aren't folded the right way. I get to show somebody how to fold napkins the way that I want them, how a chef wants yeah. them and stuff like that. That's fair. And that's the beauty of it, right? Like, I I do want to do some LA stuff. I do want to show, I want to go back to Cincinnati and, like, propel wine programs and propel food. And, like, push the identity of what the Chicago industry is and the Cincinnati industry is as farther than LA and farther than New York and farther than France and farther than, you know, all of these places. Yeah. Because I care about it. Not because it will be or should be, but because I care about it, I'll work till I'm dead for it. That's right. But at the same time, the it's thing that I've been the thing that I've been really fixated on lately is writing about food. Dude, start a blog. Well, it's it, you know, it's not like that, right? Because like, of course, I I have like written before and like not to a professional extent, but like at least like jotted down paragraphs of things that I've thought about baseball or like journals. Yeah, but like. There, you, um, Chris Rains from Hamilton yeah. I went to high school with had like a little blog for a minute that I contributed to for like the Reds and the Bengals for a little bit just okay. like a couple times and like writing that like that was one of those things like I would, like you get done with it and I'm like that was tough like whoa this is cool like that that's rewarding like creative you know, a juices. very interesting feeling yeah. and then there's this guy that I follow around the city who contributed to the Alinea cookbook whose name is Michael McGrant okay. um, which I will actually send to you okay. he is riveting to read and he will call anything out that he way he sees it. So Umo, he called out last week, because one of their desserts is a direct copy of Eleven Madison Park dessert. Jeez. Like not even like an inspiration, which is accepted in the industry. Like you can take inspirations and then fixate that however you like. But like this is a literal copy of dishes. Yeah. And he called their shit out on Instagram, and he's like a guy with I probably 15k followers, and most of them are Chicago people. He's yeah. like Umo, what the fuck is going on here, boys? Like, you really doing this? Like. And, like, the boldness, just the ganache of being able to put your nuts on the table and say, yeah, dude, I came here to eat this, and you're going to fuck with me like this? Like, that's what I want to do. I want to be able to, like, post on Instagram and be like, this shit sucks. Like, don't come here. Like, you know what I mean? Wow. Like, but full circle, bro. You know, it's, you know, that's the, that's the beauty of what I do. You can do anything until your legs stop working. Hell yeah. You can do anything. I love it, bro. Cool. Yeah. Anything else that you were, like, curious about, Max? I mean, we'll dive, no. we could dive so much more. Yeah, we're gonna. Have to yeah, I know, I know, and I, and I and I hate that I just fucking rambled on Dude, about that's everything. Fucking, that's what really, I mean. Like I said, that's I know. What we that's but, why people love brain sounds because we get people on who are super passionate about yeah. one topic and yeah. they they show it. And well, and that's the thing, about it. I would l- like anything if you ever want to get hyper focused about any subsection of this wine, food, yeah. how food can look, how it's supposed to taste, anything. I would love to just sit down and even bring somebody that I know that would be able to talk to you more in depth about it because. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Like, it is a subsection of the earth that only, that many people think only very wealthy people know about, where in reality, like, I had a $200 dinner last night and found out that it was... It's crazy. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's really easy to get indoctrinated into something that is really cool and will exist for the rest of our lives. Yeah. Food will... That's a, that's a fact. Okay. On the topic of food and dipping sauces, I have a great unanswerable question that I found Please. on Twitter. Please. This is not really relative to fine dining, but it's food related. So, if you have a plate of fries in front of you right now. Oh, God. And you can have any condiment in the world, 
but it's the only condiment you can have with fries for the rest of your life. Okay. That's not ketchup. What would it be? Like straight off the cuff, not even thinking about it, Arby's sauce. Wow. I didn't even think about yeah, it. Arby's sauce. I've is been so thinking about underrated. I've actually been kind of thinking about Arby's sauce lately. Sauce. You probably have never had Arby's, have you? We had an Arby's close to us, but uh, we never went. Never. I mean, you just I don't know how to describe what it is, though. I don't know how to describe what it is. Dude, it's like ta- it's like it's like a barbecue sauce, but it's not at all. It is kind of like a really. It's more of a, a for what it's worth. Barbecue sauce. I mean, think I I, I can't I think about anything like else. Garlic aioli, but so you can only have it with fries. But we're not talking about other. I'm saying things. um like uh that's yes yeah, um question is small shabal garlic aioli is another solid solid choice. Yes. What is Arby's sauce? Is like, my Google here. If I could only have garlic aioli for the rest of my life with fries, I'd be I would get sick of that shit quick. I was actually gonna say barbecue sauce, probably. Yeah, see, I don't even really like barbecue sauce. Though. I don't know. Oh, that's I was gonna go like classic ranch. That's what Ken said. Okay, so, so ranch, right? yeah, and, which uh, makes sense. We like we. I actually kind of thought about you earlier because I said how important it is to like go to a bar. Like when you go to a bar, you don't sit down and wonder what the drink is like. You wonder what the ranch is like. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Ken's love for restaurant ranch runs so deep. <laughs> so the Google, I said, what is Arby's sauce? Arby's sauce is kind of like ketchup and kind of like barbecue sauce, but it's technically not either. It's made with tomatoes and vinegar in the same manner as ketchup and barbecue sauce, just differs enough that the sauce stands on its own. Huh. Well, that's just like... So it's ketchup and vinegar. Do you like, bar- do you like Arby's sauce, Ken? But like only with Arby's. Like I don't want to eat it with something else. That's crazy. Well, that's... I love Arby's sauce on I everything. I do think the combo of Arby's sauce with their curly fries might be the best fries ooh, to sauce combo ooh, of all time. Ooh, ooh, ooh. See now, the young kids forget, right? In Hamilton, right down the street, I lived on um, Hughes, which is connected to Brookwood, which is the main You're Hamilton You're looking street. at Max like he has any I'm, idea. Well, I'm just I'm talking to him because you know exactly <laughs> yeah, what I'm talking yeah. about. So there was a Long John Silver's attached to an Ar- attached to a, a KFC, yes. and then right next to that was an Arby's. There is an Arby's right and there. And my mom Arby's used to put, so in the summer that I was a kid, I might have been 10 years old, she used to put a $5 bill on my kitchen counter for lunch. And I would go down to Arby's because they had something called the 5 for 5 menu. Now, you young kids won't know about this because I was, <laughs> this is a secret for me. You could get like a, like two beef and cheddars. I would get two beef and cheddars and apple turnover, fries, and like a drink for five fucking that. dollars. Wow. That was like one summer, wasn't it? Oh, it had to be because I ran him out of business yeah. as a 10-year-old. I, I like, remember that. She put a $5 bill on the counter every day and it was like my, I was like fucking dog, like dog food. I was like, oh my God, yes, I get Arby's like, yes. Oh I'm actually, my God. the fact that you said Arby's sauce that quickly just like, I mean, I've, I've been, been thinking about it all week. Wow. I've been thinking about it all week, too. Honestly, we should get Arby's for dinner tonight. I don't know uh, there is one. I There's one at the Ogilvy station. Uh, I'm sure you could fucking get it. Arby's closes at 3 p.m. in the week. That's at so the, annoying. There's I one at the Ogilvy station, Kane's, though. Cane sauce, I love. Cane's would be good. You, would you get sick of cane sauce, though? See, that's what I'm thinking about. I would get, uh, it's like mayo, Thousand Islandy to me. I would get over it too ones, fast. I think, are what I'm, like, scared of. I don't know. I I mean, yeah, I've never... I don't eat canes like daily. often enough, so I can't yeah. tell you. But that's my the whole unanswerable is like ranch. I wouldn't get. I wouldn't get. Yeah, I don't think you're sick of ranch. But it's, ranch is mayo based too, right? Or See no, now with no, that question, though, like know, like a little tidbit. Would you have to use the same ranch every time, or like could you just eat any ranch? Fuck, I don't know. Because it's different. There, oh, there's a because if that's the way it's gonna be, like I'll just pick ranch. Sauce. If that's the way it's gonna yeah. be, I'll just pick ranch, and then I'll just. Live Let's say for the sake of example, for the listeners, when you the this, same ranch, let's call you it have to use ranch. the exact same sauce every time yeah, you. Yeah, then I'm st- I'm going Arby sauce for sure. 
Because, I mean, honestly, I would say ketchup if ketchup was the option, but... Because mm. I like ketchup with yeah. fries. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's always good. It always is. But That's a good one. It is a good I one. I want to see if they're... I say we... Well, I mean, we, we said the typical ones other than Arby sauce, like ranch, barbecue sauce. I want to hear if there's any other... Like some wild, wild yeah. ones that we're not thinking of. Yeah. Like, like some tzatziki. Yeah, yeah, like somebody, somebody will have some, some, some fixation shit. on that. Um, okay, that was a good one. So, reminder too for the listeners, next week, sick movie review, a shooter. We're doing The Old Guard. The Old oh, Guard. Oh, wow. Yeah. I haven't seen it. None of us have seen it. Really? Netflix. It's on Netflix. Came out in 2020. It's actually Yeah, Vaughn Von loves that movie, I think. I watched the trailer. It's fucking weird, but it looks great. Yeah. Um, really good reviews, too. So, anyways, thank you again. To oh, my God. Thank you both. Us. Sincerely. Max that was awesome. for producing. Anything other than uh, follow at Sex Diva on Twitter? Um, that is S-E-C-K-S. Yeah. Please do. Um, S-E-C-K-S-D-I-V-A. Um, I'm pretty... I'm... It's... Yeah, Instagram. I'm... That's also my professional Instagram, so you will see me post about food and stuff. Um, God, beyond that, what are we talking... Uh, go Reds, obviously. We're in a slump right now, but we're doing... Go we're Reds gonna fi- today. We're going to figure it out. Um, what else are we thinking about? Shout out... Uh, fuck... No, I shout out TD. Um, thanks for texting me yesterday. I guess I guess Andrew told Kenzie that you had been hollering at me lately, so she, you've been hollering at me. She like <laughs> the second you said it yesterday, she like texted me. She's like, "How are you?" Well, I was like, "Fuck you." I actually like, didn't course. tell Kenzie that last night. Since she got a job, she changed up on me now. That's too busy. Not too, too she busy. Doesn't answer your four a.m. Doesn't answer my four a.m. Yeah. calls anymore. She's got she's got fucking work in the morning. Um, now. I do have some shout-outs. If you are in Chicago and you do listen to this, there's a couple places I'd like for you to try. Go to Chilon Balam. It's on Broadway. It's a lovely restaurant. Probably one of my favorites in the city. Um, they do small bites, tapas, and they change their menu probably like every three weeks. Um, beyond that, uh, check out The Angry Octopus in Lincoln Park. Gas. Stupid. Gas. Stupid, dude. Best um, lunch you'll ever have in Chicago. One of my favorite bartenders in the city, Keith Mincher. Go to Sepia. Go see him. He's got the best Sazerac I've ever had. He makes his own absinthe. It's fucking stupid. Um, and then beyond that, try the Watershed, which is run by Logan Brown, who's one of the best champagne minds I've ever talked to in my entire life. He is a fucking lunatic, and he will show you some of the coolest shit on her. Boom. Thank you guys for listening. Keep spreading the good Coney word. Peace. Hell yeah, boys.